Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Tuesday, 13th of February. Can you believe that helicopter crash in the Grand Canyon? About four people walk away from it. I find that unbelievable. Unlike that uh, poor man who was uh, poaching lions. Bit of a mistake on that one, I think. Seeing as the lions that he was trying to poach, uh, they found his rifle and they found his head. The rest of him had been devoured by the lions. Apparently, nobody came to rescue him. The whole thing was a bit of a disaster. So it was kind of get your own comeuppance. The Oxfam story. The story's running in the papers today is the chief knew of the sex claims. Uh, The Oxfam deputy has now quit as the charity is fighting this scandal fallout. And another headline, which is abuse rife in Oxfam shops. I can't seriously... I did say yesterday and the day before... Is this the downfall of Oxfam? Is Oxfam going to go under and it's a case of people are not going to trust it anymore? Who knows? Also, the tears of Paddy's devastated uh, wife. Um, I don't know why we waste time on these silly little things. I really don't. So Paddy McGuinness, seen out on the town like, you know, blokes do. This time seen out with Nicole Appleton. Hardly the most live wire you're ever going to be seen out with. And you have to... Sort of ask yourself the question, why... So, you know, Paddy's wife, 200 miles away, drives out of the house. The car's covered in snow. She has to clear the windscreen. That must have really annoyed her to start with. Only to be confronted by a barrage of photographers waiting for her to come out of the drive. Why don't she just stay indoors? Let them freeze to death out there. Or failing that, pick up the phone to Paddy and go, get your little bottom back here as fast as possible. Okay, right, where are we? Did you go out with Nicole Appleton? Did anything happen on that night? Tell me the truth, because I'll find out. OK, are we getting divorced? Are we staying together? End of story. That's all that matters. Couldn't care less about anything else. If, if he has cheated, if he did spend the night with Nicole in a London hotel, because she certainly didn't go her, uh, back to her place, the press were waiting. Because they'd seen her out on the town. Loads of people got pictures of them. He made no attempt to disguise himself in Soho. Don't get me wrong, I think he's great. I love him. But if you're going to cheat on your wife, that takes on... It's like the Jason Manford thing. Show us your boobs. You know, all that kind of... You start thinking, these people must be thick as bricks. Somebody's going to dob them in, aren't they? And in case of Paddy, loads of people in Soho went, we've just seen Paddy, and we've just seen him walking around, and he's with Nicole Appleton. And then he goes and stays in a hotel, and apparently by himself. But he was off his trolley. How does he know? How does he remember? How does he sort of come up with... I don't know. But, you know, just to ask straightforward questions. Are you having an affair? Did you have an affair? Did you have a one-night stand? Perfectly straightforward questions, but nothing to do with us. OK, nothing to do with us. Paul Burrell, bore of the First Order, the servant for Diana, claims he talks to the Queen when he wants to. He said he can get through to the Queen quicker than he can get through to his agent. <laughs> I'm surprised you have an agent, dear. Very surprised. Also, the Gran, who went abroad and came back without any nipples... I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, you'd think you'd know, wouldn't you, really? Something to hang lights on. Um, She says, don't risk going abroad for cheap plastic surgery. I shall heed that advice, dear. I shall not go abroad for plastic surgery. Mainly because I wouldn't dream of going abroad. I wouldn't dream of going abroad for plastic surgery. I would rather have it here if I was going to have it. And if I was going to have plastic surgery, it's because I believe that I need it, either for some you know, reason of insecurity or I'm not happy with the way... So, but I'd never go. I've seen people have all sorts... Well, I haven't seen, but I've heard. You can have penis enlargement. I mean, who wakes up for breakfast and goes, do you know, 
I think today penis enlargement, and I'm going to go to Russia. And, and, so be, and, and you look down the list, and people are doing it because it's cheap. They're doing it because it's cheap. A lot of people have their teeth done in Poland because dentistry is cheaper over there. But I wouldn't let anybody cut my face about. That'd drive you mad. Somebody cuts your face about in Turkey, and they had a guy the other day, and then you look at Katie Price and you think, and you think you look good? No, your body dysmorphic. Not good. Uh, deaths from people uh, messing about with Tramadol have doubled. So I'm glad that girl was locked up in Egypt. Thank you. And also, you'll have to help me out on this one, because I didn't know they did this. The pub steak crisis has hit Nando's as well, because Nando's do a steak. I wasn't aware that they did a steak. I thought they just did chicken. I thought that was the whole idea. Very expensive chicken, but chicken nevertheless. Oh, what is it today? It's pancake day. And so everywhere, everywhere, all over the country, people mumbling be making up the batter. Or failing that, you'll just go to Iceland, buy uh, a bottle, which has got powder in it. You add water. I think you add water to it, yeah. And then you just shake it up, like, shake, 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 shake. And then you pour it into the frying pan and you make your own frying uh, pan um, pancakes. Whereas I just go to a supermarket, pick up a packet of ready-made pancakes and walk out again. Do not put anything else on them apart from lemon juice and sugar. Nothing else. All these silly adverts on the table, people putting chocolate spread on this. Make no, you're not to make it isn't it's traditional just to put lemon juice on. Get a lemon, squeeze it, not a jiff lemon, just a proper lemon. You know, squeeze it out there and then put it over there, a little bit of sugar, and that's and that's how you make pancakes. I mean, the idea of actually making it if you've got a family, it's a waste of time. Go and buy the ready made ones, don't be so tight and stingy about it. Uh, Gemma's passed her use by date, the rude, offensive woman on the television. Uh, one of our leading critics, Ali Ross, has said she's just offensive. She shouldn't be put on television. He doesn't know why they keep putting her on there. They think she's good value and she's sort of playing like Jade Goody did. Jade Goody played thick. She was thick, take my word for it. But then after after went, oh, she's so funny, East Angular and all that kind of stuff. And so she then started playing up to it. Joey Essex, you don't hear from him now. His career's finished completely. He has nothing to do with it. Occasionally he pops up and we go, oh, God. But it was a it was a one trick pony. Gemma Collins was a one trick herd of horses and it didn't work. So on the two dates she's had on this silly little programme, which is just a way of making money. It's got nothing to do with her finding a date. She can't. She's got Arge to go and have sex with if she wants to or any one of a number of old has beens. And so she goes on there. Some bloke criticises her. She walks as I would, as every one of you would do. You walk into a restaurant. Hello, excuse me. I'm Gemma. I'm Gemma Collins. Yeah, we know you are, love. OK, you don't need to introduce yourself. You're late. So she goes, yeah. And he goes, you're late. It's rude. So she stands up and walks off. I wouldn't even have got as far as letting the fat bird sit down. I'd have been up, walking out the door. She passed me and she'd go, are you my date? I go, not now, love. You're late. Sit by yourself, which is how you're going to be for the rest of your life. Why do these people think that, you know, being late is fashionable? It's rude. There used to be Elizabeth Taylor. Well, I say there used to be Elizabeth Taylor. I mean, there was Elizabeth Taylor. She was fashionably late. Naomi Campbell, fashionably late. No, just rude. Just rude and offensive. Naomi Campbell could be hours late for something. I'd have packed it all. I'd have just packed it up. She turned up something. They did a feature in, might have been in some magazine. And uh, and they said, here we all are at Claridge's, waiting. Makeup artist, hair with the extensions to glue in and all the rest of it. And um, and it was very interesting that uh, that she sort of... Uh, gets there, and they all sit there. It's like two hours late. Didn't turn... You know, she, she, she was late. And so then she she eventually turns up, goes up to her suite, 
She's only a stick insect with a pair of boobs on it who models clothes. And then she decided to go out shopping for a bit. I'd have, she's walking out the door going, you're cancelled, love. Thank you. Pack everything up. Push her out the door. Couldn't care less. She was supposed to come in for in conversation. I'm standing downstairs waiting and, um, and they're, they're sort of phoning her. And the time she was supposed to be here, she was still at home. She was that rude. Uh, apparently she couldn't come in because she was tired. Oh, diddums. But anyway, she managed to turn up for, I think, Loose Women or something like that, where they had to fawn and brown-nose her like there was no... Not me, thank you very much indeed. I'd never want to interview the old bag ever, ever again. Rude and offensive. Elizabeth Taylor, you'd be sitting there waiting for ages, and she'd be like two or three hours late. And you go, I'm sorry, that's just rude. Take a hint from the royal family. The Queen is there at 10.32. She'll be there at 10.32. You know, she will leave at 10.48 precisely. It's all timed down. Elizabeth Taylor, some very average little actress, you know, famous in her younger days and then famous for marrying loads of men. As Conrad Hilton said about Elizabeth Taylor, every man should have the opportunity of sleeping with her. And at the rate she's going, they all will. And that's what she was. She was the bicycle of Hollywood. And though she made the films and, you know, she, in fact, even when she was very old and she couldn't move anywhere, she still made a film. I talked to somebody who went to a house. He said it was like a mausoleum. It was just it was just very dusty. And, uh, and it was the sort of place you'd expect someone like Elizabeth Taylor. But it's just rude. If somebody said, you know, this programme starts at four o'clock in the morning. I'm here in advance of four in the morning. You know, some presenters I've heard of, you know, literally the, uh, the programme starts and they're walking through the door as the music's playing. How rude. What an insult to the people who've decided to sort of get up early or get up late or something. I did know somebody who used to literally walk through the door of the studio as the theme tune was playing. I, of course, have never had a theme tune. I lie, actually. I have had theme tunes over the year. Mainly the most popular one was The Bitches Back, for some reason. I can't understand why that was ever popular. Not on this programme. Anyway, we take your uh, texts and emails. If you're a new listener, then you're especially welcome today. You might have bought from Oxfam. You might have donated to Oxfam. You might have decided you don't want anything to do with Oxfam ever again. You might be thinking as well, that uh, Megan's secret visits to comfort the Grenfell victims is kind of a little bit too blooming late. What's the point of sending her down there? I'm sorry, Megan Markle's turned up to comfort you. What? How long ago was that? And she's turned up now? No, something wrong there. Oh, the uh, the Madeleine McCann police want more money. They've already had about 13 million. I have to be honest, if I was Madeleine McCann's parents, I'd be calling for it too. But as a realistic person in the real world and not swayed by anything at all, I'm thinking they're not any closer. There are no new leads. They've got nothing at all. So I think now we stop the money. Because we now know that the McCanns have got 750000 Well, you go and spend your money. You go and do it. You're not going to find her. I would like to think that you would. But I'm realistic to think if the police have been over there, the Portuguese police have done everything, nobody can find her. There's not a clue. There is nothing. So what, what are they going to waste more money on? Just sitting there, perhaps jetting over to Praia de Luz? You know, that's, that's what it's all about. But they're nowhere near, nowhere near finding Madeleine McCann, which is a great shame, actually. She just vanished. Uh, Zag said, pancake day every day in my house. Oh. I don't, I don't think you should eat pancakes every day. They're just, it's sugar, isn't it? Sugar and something and everything. I, I did have a packet the other day. And, um, Steve, I do have a soft spot for Paddy, but white shoes, no looky, no likey, says Ian. I just, I just can't understand why. He's got a gorgeous wife. Um, he's got three lovely children. Perhaps, though, perhaps this marriage breakup has been on the cards for some time. 
which we're now led to believe has been on the cards for some time. Because once people, you know, sort of go down that once you fall out of love with somebody, and I speak from experience, you can't stand them. Seriously, there is no point at all. You know, I've been out with people in the past, and obviously not recently, unless they've got their own jigsaw and they've got no mortgage, in which case, you know, they stand a fighting chance. But the rest of them, nothing at all. And I get offers every day. I mean, seriously, I can climb on the bus and get offers. It's as easy as that. It's not difficult for me. Why? Because I'm a huge, huge star. I'm very lucky to be on the radio at four in the morning till seven. And people think, oh, I'd like to go out with him. Well, think again. It's not going to be happening in a leap year or any other time. Valentine's Day, I get inundated with cards, flowers, champagne, the usual sort of thing. You know, all people want is a little piece of the action. You know what I'm saying? Well, there is no action. This this body gave up years ago. As I say, I'm just as happy sitting at home, half a bottle of Prosecco that's probably gone flat. You know, if you can't manage to finish it all and, uh, and a cup of cocoa. And I'm quite happy. Although I do think four teaspoonfuls of cocoa powder is slightly excessive. But that's what it says. So I put four teaspoons in. And, um, and at the moment, I'm just I'm quite happy with things. You know, if I want to have a sausage, I'll have a sausage. If I want a frankfurter, I'll have a frankfurter. If I want some Uncle Ben's rice, I'll do it. I don't want somebody. And if you want to go out, you go out. I don't want somebody sitting there going, where are you going? I'm going out. Out where? I'm just going out. Oh, well, well, I cooked this evening. Well, eat it then. You know, I think it's it's going to be it's going to come to blows. So I'm not remotely bothered about this relationship malarkey. It never goes well. And if Paddy's relationship has been on the uh, on the cards for some time as collapsing, that's their business. It's really got nothing to do with us. But unfortunately, because of our insatiable appetite as to everything that celebrities do, you know, after poor old Chloe talentless Maidley came up with we have sex every night. I mean, uh, 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 I was sticking my fingers down my throat trying to vomit. You know, the idea that little tiny girl who thinks she's some sort of celebrity is uh, is having sex every night. I mean, do you do that to make your mother feel a bit awful about things? Or are you doing it to make your brother Jack feel as though he's not really trying it? Or are you doing it because you're just an incredibly stupid little show-off? What is it? You know, do explain this to me. I, I really don't know. Uh, still to come, the couple who converted their garage into a house. And they thought that nobody had noticed. They still had the garage door there. You pull the door down and there is the door, the windows and everything. And, um, and I thought to myself, well, that's a bit clever. But no, you have to go to, uh, to court and you have to be fined. So about 3,000 quid. So ha, 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 ha. Uh, also, the, the trans checkout operator who worked in Poundland in Oxford Street. Apparently, people were taking the mickey out of her. And sort of saying things like when, when she was using the lady's toilet, oh, there's no girls in here and that kind of stuff. I mean, they're either incredibly thick in Poundland in Oxford Street. Anyway, she took them to court. She got 50 grand. 50 grand. I mean, I think it's worth more than that. But if I was the manager of the store, I'd have fired every single one of those buffoons who works there. You wouldn't be working there ever again. I might go in there, actually, dressed as a woman one time. No, that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Because then I look like Susan Boyle. And, uh, you know, both of us do look ridiculous dressed as women. Uh, still to come, Noel's house potty. He claims trees talk to each other. The producer laughed. The producer laughed. I said, excuse me? Prince Charles talks to plants. I talk to plants. Just because you can't have conversations because you don't speak Dutch elm or you don't speak lime or you don't speak oak... You know, not to say it doesn't happen. Why do you think in the wind the trees bend? They're coming in to talk to each other. Like, cling on, cling on. Everything talks to each other. Right, you talk to you talk to cats? You talk to cats? Well, ha, 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 ha. Why do you think they understand you? Hello, come on. And the cat's going, I don't know what you're saying. No idea, not a clue. Is there any food? Do we have food? Uh, should we play the ball? Ball, where's the food? Where's the bloody food? Give us the food or I'm going to walk out the cat flap and you'll never see me ever again. 
See, you talk to cats. I talk to plants every year on my patio. I talk to all the pots and go, you will be big, won't you, this year? It's always that time the neighbours come out and they start saying, what's he doing? Talking to the blooming plants again. Poor soul. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. It's a freezing cold morning in London town. I'm not sure about my driver this morning. I don't want to talk out of turn, but he picked me up. We were all right. And then we slowed right down. And we kept doing this slowing right down bit. And I kept thinking, I thought we were going to park in the middle of the 316 at one point. I got slow. And then I thought, maybe he's tired. You know, if you work nights, sometimes people do get tired. It is totally feasible. And we sort of, at one point we were coming in and we slowed down at green traffic lights. I thought, he's not going to stop at green traffic lights, please. But then we, we did go through. We, we, sort of, we sort of kangarooed in. It was an interesting experience, I promise you. Steve, I've tried maple syrup for the first time, says Christine. Delicious with hot pancakes as a treat. Only every now and then. Yes, I agree. You should never, actually should never eat maple syrup. It's just sugar, isn't it? What is maple syrup? Is it like honey? It's like honey, isn't it? Maple syrup? Or is it, or is it from maples? I'm only guessing because I'm a bit stupid when it comes to things like that. It's only because it doesn't enter my, uh, my cuisine. It's a, such a thing as a maple tree and then they crush down their nuts at maple syrup. So it's made from the sap of sugar maple, red maple or black maple trees. Good heavens above. And so in the cold climates, these trees store starch and in their roots, and that's converted to sugar. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, sorry. So it's collected, was first, by the indigenous peoples and the practice adopted by... Is that where they used to almost... You know, when they used to collect rubber off trees and they do a slit in the side of the tree and they put a little cup hanging there and it all drips into it. Is it do they do maples roughly the same sort of thing? They drill into it, and then it just drips out. Oh, right, so they put a little cup there, and it drips into the cup. Oh, right. I'm so glad I've never drunk it. Sounds vile. Sounds horrible. Well, of course the Canadians do. Have you ever been to Canada? They all come here. They're looking to marry princes and stuff like that. You know, if they've got a little series going on Canadian television. It's very cold over there. I know it's very cold at the moment. So Quebec is the largest producer. 70% of the world's output Good God, 487 million Canadian dollars. Wow, I've never had it. I've never had it. I can actually hold my hand up, mainly because it sounds very, very sweet. I probably couldn't have it. And also it just doesn't, it's funny, things like that don't interest me. It's like treacle, black treacle. My mother always used to keep treacle and black treacle in, in the cupboard. And occasionally I would look at it, but I never, ever took a little spoon, because you couldn't just take a little spoonful because it just stuck to it and it was horrible. And I've heard of... Um, sausages cooked in maple syrup. I mean, it just sounds like a heart attack on a plate. Not for us diabetics, eh, Mike? Oh, dear, we couldn't do stuff like that. That would drive us mad. Drive us absolutely mad. Uh, would you like to go to Harry's wedding? No? What for? I've been to weddings for. I know what goes on. Do you take this person? Do you take that person? How much money they got? Are you up the duff? No. Uh, any person have any cause or just impediment why they should not be lawfully joined together in marriage? Let him now declare it. OK, I now declare you man and wife. Goodbye. Thank you. Please don't throw confetti. We've got a funeral. You know, I mean, how much more stuff do you want to know about it? Wake up at 4am. Can't go back to sleep, says Sophie. Switch on LBC naturally and come across the Steve Allen show. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're hilarious. Need more presenters like you. Oh, no, we don't. Oh, no, 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 no. That would be a disaster. Can you imagine if you actually had a radio station where one one presenter was sort of, they go, oh, that's a very funny presenter. And then other presenters started copying that presenter. I was always told be original. You know, once you start copying another presenter, I mean, you've lost the plot. 
lost the plot. It's just too embarrassing. Too embarrassing. You know, you say, oh, do, do you, it's like sounding like. At one time, lots of radio presenters wanted to sound like Roger Scott. So it was all yeesh. Like that. And, and you'd think to yourself, that was very good, but I never wanted to be a Roger Scott sound-alike. I didn't know what I wanted to be, actually. To be honest, I, didn't, I wasn't too sure what sort of presenter I was going to be because it never came into it. All I knew was the microphone light came on and somebody goes, speak, speak, now, talk. And you go, right. And then after a while you learn how to do it. It's, believe it or not, it is an art, I'm told, because not everybody can do what I do. But there again, I can't do what they do either. So it works. It works both ways. Some people sort of think, oh, I could be like Steve Allen. And then somebody would go, oh, I wouldn't want to be like Steve Allen. I think you'd, you'd want the career and the money. You'd definitely want the career and the money. You know, it's no good coming into the business now and sort of copying somebody else. You've got to be original. You've got to be very, very original. Do it and make sure that people believe it. Because once once the great British public, if the public believe you and if they believe what you're saying is true, you've got an audience for life because they buy into what you stand for. I don't say anything just for an effect. I'm not a shock job. Somebody says, you sure you weren't ever a shock jock? I said, never a shock jock. I don't say anything for an effect. Everything I say, I wholeheartedly believe in. So when I tell you, I think, Sally, what's her face? You know, oh, he's here, darling. You know, and I tell you, I think that's rubbish. That's my opinion. That's my opinion. If I don't happen to like something, I tell you I don't like it. If there's a television programme I don't like, I don't like it. Now that Danny Dyer's daughter has opted out of the second-rate version of Love Island, apparently they're now thinking of putting her into Love Island. How desperately sad and tragic she must be. Uh, Gemma Collins passed it. Nobody's going to be going out with her. Nobody's interested. But there again, she doesn't want to go out with anybody. She has no interest. She's doing it because it's money. She needs to save as much money because very shortly this thing's going to collapse like a pack of cards, I promise you. Uh, Noel's house potty, as I say, he claims trees talk to each other. Of course they do. You can see vibrating leaves. That's talking. I mean, they don't actually sit there and go, oh, I had a dreadful day yesterday. I thought they were going to cut me down, but they didn't. You know. <laughs> uh, also, uh, Donald's wife held over a spy camera that they found at the house. It's a bit bizarre, isn't it? Really, a spy camera in the house. I mean, we are we are cameraed up at home. We have sixteen cameras. Every inch of the property is covered and it's recorded. So if anything happens, we can uh, we we sue absolutely. The Valentine Valens, Valentine's Day crackdown on benefit cheats. It's a good one, isn't it? I like the benefit cheat crackdown. It always amuses me. Uh, plus, I've got to f- find out more about this one. This is the uh, the French rocker, Johnny Halliday, who left nothing to the daughter he dedicated his most famous song to. Isn't that odd that, you know, people will do that? And then they go out with somebody else, and it turns out to be the last woman he married. It's her her children who end up. I had a good laugh this morning, Steve, watching all the Uber drivers, totally lost with the closure of Charing Cross Road at the Hippodrome, getting my own back for all the times that they've cut me up or stopped dead in front of me to pick up a fare. Can't beat local knowledge like I have to get you round. Morning, spikers. Thank you. Steve, tired, tired. Gemma Collins is rude, ignorant. I don't know why she's on television. Waste of time, says Dave. Waste of space with a load of makeup. It's because she thinks that she's, you know, she's playing the game for them. They go, you're a bit of a diva, aren't you? She goes, I'm JC. And she hangs around with that uh, very camp little effect called Bobby Cole Norris, who's another one who, frankly, I wouldn't give you threepence for. Sad, tragic desperately lonely. Another one who's desperately can't find anybody. And the reason they can't find anybody is because they're naff. Gemma Collins is naff. You know, if somebody calls you a diva, you'd laugh it off and go, do you think so? I don't know. Would I... She stands up and has like a queenie fit and I think, you're just badly acting, dear. That's why you're talentless. 
That's why people laugh at you. They're not laughing with you. When you fell down that trap door, we wet ourselves laughing. Seriously, I was hoping it was a bigger drop, but it turned out not to be. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to five is the time. So Paul Burrell going into the Australian I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here, which, of course, he's not, claims he talks to the Queen whenever he wants to. Of course you do, darling. Yes, I'm sure you do. As long as you believe it, that's fine. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. We'll weave everything in on the programme for this morning. So the story about Oxfam just builds, doesn't it? I mean, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, Now the deputy has quit as the charity fights the fallout from the sex scandal. Now it turns out that uh, workers offered aid for sex. I mean, it's, it's almost, you couldn't believe it. I almost believe, might be wrong, but I almost believe that we're seeing the end of Oxfam, the charity. I seriously... I mean, how it can recover from sex claims, underage prostitutes in Haiti, and somebody who works for the charity who's, uh, who's paying underage prostitutes, which, incidentally, is illegal. Not just the fact they're underage, but prostitution is illegal. And then you get the story about abuse rife in the Oxfam shops. Workers abroad offered aid for sex. Damning proof the charity ignored warnings. 123 claims of sexual harassment... 123 claims of sexual harassment in the high street in a charity shop. See, even I can't get my head around that one. You, you must be feeling the same if you give it to... I mean, I've, I've now decided that until all this mess is cleared up, I'm going nowhere near an Oxfam shop. I'm sorry, it's as simple as that. That's my decision. You can obviously make up your, uh, your own decision on what you want to do. You don't have to do it. You don't have to give to Oxfam if you don't want to. That's your choice. My choice is I don't want to go anywhere near their shops. I don't like that modus operandi. Once it's been cleared up and they, and they justify it, fine. But unfortunately, I think in this particular case, it's going to stick. Don't you think so? It's going to stick. Oh, by the way, bad news. There's going to be um, a Valentine's Day edition of Loose Women. Uh, I don't know what that is. I've got no idea. But uh, they're all going to... Have you noticed? Everybody on the panel, they've all got something the matter with them. They've all had sort of issues. Body dysmorphic or this or drugs or whatever it happens to be. Anyway, they're going to do a a special Valentine's Day edition with some men on the panel. I say men. Uh, They've got Gokwan... They've got Jamie Lomas, so I can't remember who he is, but he apparently appeared on a, on a reality show. He's somebody, I don't know. Uh, Kem Ketane, who's the little hairdresser from Essex, whose claim to fame is that they, that they think he's going to be a big star. Jamie Lomas was in EastEnders. All oh, right, not anymore. Oh, never mind. He's going to be on Loose Women. And the other one is the one who, every time he turns up on the table, we all go, oh, God, not him again. Peter Andre. Can't they find anybody else? Is it really that desperate? You've got to have some poor old has-been like Peter Andre. To... What for? You know what he's like? He's going to be sitting there, he'll play with his hair, he'll do, he'll do the usual sort of creepy bit about, oh, when I first saw Em, I really liked her, and all this. And I'm thinking, oh, shut up. Nothing worse. I mean, even his poor little Chicka Chick R programme is shoved away on a channel you've never heard of. So at least we don't get him on mainstream, so that's very good. Very good. Maple syrup is high in sugar, but also very nutritious. Contains vitamins, minerals and antioxidants. You also buy maple water, which contains the nutrients with only 2% sugar. Sounds vile. Uh, two lots of Steve Allen. Steve, the airwaves couldn't handle it, says Jim. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. You could imagine having, you know, two lots of a similar presenter. You know, there's nothing original in radio nowadays. We work for a music station. You get sort of shorter links because the idea is people are listening to the music. That's what they want to hear. They want to hear you playing the music. They want to hear the tunes. On LBC, you want to hear what the news stories are. You want to hear people's opinions. Because unlike BBC Local Radio... Uh, we have opinions. They're not allowed on 
BBC Local Radio, to have opinions. They don't have opinions. So every time you hear somebody on, on Question Time, you'll never see somebody say, just say, and your th- the thoughts are, and they'll go to the audience, and da-da-da, they go, thank you very much indeed, and they move on. They don't have a thought. They're not allowed to have an opinion on anything. Well, that's what they say. Um, Steve, what exactly do they do next with the bomb? The bomb that they removed yesterday, says Dave. I think they set fire to it, hasn't it? Gone, it's been blown up under the river. Tonight, God knows what that's going to... Imagine all the fish, fish swimming around there who are going to be thrown up in the air going, what the... And all the stuff it's going to unearth from the river. That's what it is. But a lot of people have said, I'm not moving, I'd rather stay there. So let's hope it doesn't uh, <laughs> blow up in your... It's going to be awfully messy, isn't it? I don't know how they do things like that. I don't know how big the bomb is. It is, a, is it a very big bomb? Quite, quite big. Isn't it amazing that we've still got bombs around the capital that sort of came down during the war and then they got sort of covered over... And then nothing set them off, except for tonight. That's going to be a firework display, isn't it? That'll set off metre and a half long. Metre and a half long, that's quite big, isn't it? Imagine all the car alarms going to be going off, depending on what time they do it. That'd be good. Perhaps you can cover it over with a bit of tissue paper or something so it doesn't make too much mess. Steve, I sat at the uh, next table to Johnny Halliday at a lakeside restaurant in uh, Annecy. He smoked continuously. Most unpleasant, says Pat. Oh, all the French smoke, all the Italian smoke. Everybody smokes, don't they? I'm one of the few people who doesn't smoke nowadays. But there again, I don't, I'm not particularly bothered about, uh, about smoking. Occasionally, I sort of think, oh, I'd like a cigarette. Because I watched somebody smoking the other day. I was watching um, Billy Elliot again, just because I think it's, it's brilliant. And it was the live version. And to watch a few people smoking in that, I thought, imagine if you're not a smoker, but they go, can you smoke for the purposes of the part? I'd have to say no. Because I'd be worried that I'd get really, really addicted back to cigarettes again. And I don't want to go there. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, so here we go. It's uh, you thought you only needed lemon and sugar on pancake day. They've got a burger in batter and uh, they've tested chocolate pancakes, rainbow covered pancakes, flipping fluffy souffle pancake. Why do we eat pancakes on Jif Pancake Day or whoever's pancake day it is? What's the point of it? What is the point of it? It's Shrove Tuesday. What have, what have pancakes got to do with it? I don't know. Uh, eat slowly and enjoy your food. Uh, apparently. That's how you keep weight off. And at last, Consumer Giant takes on Facebook and Google over web hate. Unilever threatens to withdraw millions in advertising. Wow. Because they're, they, they've threatened Facebook, Twitter and Google that they will pull advertising if Facebook, Twitter and Google fail to clamp down on extremist and illegal material. Wow. So there you go. It's, it's the they're fighting back. They're fighting back, you know, which I think is actually quite good. There's too much stuff on there, isn't there, really? Bosses ignored the abuse warnings, unmasking the aid workers so we can put them on trial, say the minister. Yeah, let's see who these people are. Who are these people who've been hiding? We've seen it before. This is nothing new. Do not ever think that, you know, whatever's going on at Oxfam or might have gone on on at Oxfam is, is something totally unique. It's not. It happens in charity. It happens in children's homes. Many, many children's homes over the years have found themselves taken to court because of the people who want to abuse children going to work inside them, you know, and it can be married couples. At one time you say, oh, right, it's going to be men over a certain age. No, 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 just as likely to be women nowadays. And they've got all sorts of um, uh, all sorts of emails, whether they're, they're genuine. I've got no idea, but they, they've named them. Uh, Penny Lawrence has resigned and they've got some from Helen Evans as well and Mark Goldberg. And this could be the end of Oxfam, as we know. What they might have to do is close it down and then open up as something else. I mean, that, I can't 
you know, or align with another charity so somebody can keep an eye on it. It's too easy, isn't it? Uh, also, inside the Caligula Orgy Apartments, this is six bedrooms, a 25-foot swimming pool and half-naked girls in Oxfam T-shirts. How the A-team parted like emperors in the charity's villa. And uh, they also hosted parties uh, for relatives, but it was in relative luxury. It sounds, it's beginning to sound just all a bit revolting, isn't it? I'm not, uh, I'm not happy with the situation at all. Uh, doctors have been told now, don't hug patients. I've never been hugged by a doctor. Anybody else listening been hugged by a do- Who wants to be hugged by a doctor? I've been in hospital loads of times. Loads of times. I've never been hugged by anybody. If anything, they just say, nice to see you, and they shake your hand. Well, I've never been hugged by a doctor. So I don't know, but they're being urged not to comfort patients in case they complain. The Medical Defence Union suggests if they wish to comfort a patient, they offer a handshake to avoid embarrassment. Well, I've already ever seen that. I've never seen doctors come up and start hugging you. What would that be like? It'd be a little bit like grooming. No, we don't do stuff like that. Definitely not. Uh, more on the Grand Canyon trip to catastrophe and the people who walked away from a helicopter. I mean, amazing how some people survived and some people didn't. I find it unbelievable. America bids to send the Beatles jihadis back to Britain. The minister says over here, we don't want them. Why can't we just hang them? I just sort of think, these are, these are mass murderers. Why, why would we bother keeping them in prison? Definitely not. No, let's hang them. It's so much easier. So, but they, yeah, but they only become martyrs if we tell people we've hanged them. If we just hang them and then go, oh, we don't know which prison they've gone to, nobody will know about it. But uh, they're not, they're, they're, they'd be going straight to hell anyway, wouldn't they? Absolutely. Is sex, uh, sorry, is good sex in marriage a risk? I would think, is sex in marriage a risk? Very lucky in marriage to actually get sex. Imagine you're married and you've got children and you're having sex. A rarity in this day and age. A rarity. Uh, also, uh, self-pity of a monster. This is so-called Ian Huntley. says he's sorry for his sickening crimes. Bleats about boredom and, um, and bad food in jail. But, uh, as I say, I couldn't care. He, he could die in prison. I'm not remotely bothered about Ian Huntley. Thank you very much indeed. Disgusting person. Uh, also, uh, this is an interesting one. A woman who posted on Facebook that her ex-husband tried to kill her is now facing a legal bill of more than £200,000 <laughs> uh, after losing an appeal against a libel ruling. This woman claimed that her husband... Uh, during an online exchange, uh, threatened to kill her and all the rest of it. And uh, the judge said the libel was not trivial and assessed compensation at five grand, although the ex-husband didn't want a penny. But they decided that she's going to have to pay his court bills. Because, as I pointed out to people before, you can't say something about somebody that isn't true. They'll have you for libel. You know, like on the radio. You know, if I sort of make something up about, you know, whoever it happens to be, then they can sue for libel, you know, if I've libeled them. Uh, but uh, it's highly, highly unlikely. Uh, inmates in prison are being given acupuncture to help them sleep better. Oh, sweet, isn't it? Nice to know we're still treating prisoners so well. Uh, the bomb is taken out to sea and blown up uh, by Shubri Ness, just up from South End. Oh, God, I hope he doesn't do any damage to South End. That would be tragic, wouldn't it? You could actually get get rid of South End in one quick push of a button, and then we could build something we liked. Only joking. Only joking. He says, you can hear the boom for miles around, says Ian. Uh, he says, I know this because I live damn close. 
keep it quiet. The Royal Navy has asked Gemma Collins to sit on the bomb tonight to dampen the explosion. Very cruel. That's very cruel. You know damn well it's, you know, she couldn't. I mean, we'd never hold her underwater that long, would we? Could have a try, I suppose. <laughs> have a try. It always becomes like a joke cartoon, isn't it? You know, but then, of course, she'd think that was good publicity. Uh, queued up behind Gemma Collins in Waitrose in Buckhurst still a little while ago, says Colin, while she was paying for her trolley load of health food, not she spoke on her mobile phone the whole time in a loud voice. Very rude. Yes, yeah, so I'm like in uh, like shopping. Yeah. All right, just see you later. OK, this is GC signing off. It's like that. It's, you know, it's pathetically useless. But uh, hopefully she'll take on board all the criticism, do something about it. But unfortunately, as an old woman of 36 who still can't find a boyfriend, apart from a little bit of regular, then uh, that's it. Airlines flout the ban on fees. For using a credit card. I don't like to use credit cards. It's like when I go into a certain shop or certain shops, sir, they always ask me, do you have a so-and-so card? No, I haven't. Would you like one? No, I wouldn't. I absolutely wouldn't. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, also, we're all in the Billionaire Pony Club. And they've got um, um, Steven Spielberg's daughter. It's called Destry. Destry. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, also, uh, Ariana Rockefeller. See, that's the name to have, Rockefeller. Have that on your checkbook, much easier. Uh, Hannah Selleck, that's Tom Selleck. It's not as exciting, is it, really? Uh, Eve Jobs, that's Steve, Steve Jobs' daughter. She's, uh, she's 20, she's very pretty. Uh, also, Sophia Abramovich. Yeah, not really that excited. Jessica Springsteen. Mm, so. Athena Onassis, she inherited all her mother's money. Estimated about £2 billion. And, um, as I say, that, that carries a good name. Charlotte uh, Cassirai. Daughter of Monaco's Princess Caroline and granddaughter of film star Grace Kelly. Uh, wealth estimated at four billion. Wow. But these people don't don't go and do what we do. If we had four billion, people don't do things like that, do they? They don't they don't sort of go, Oh, I've got four billion in the in the bank account, I can go and spend money today. They they just they just carry on doing things in the way that they want to. And of course, uh, Sophia Abramovich, not that Ab- Abramovich understands anything about horse racing or anything else. He's just a former market trader who's got a load of money. And he's got a football club. That's it. I think it's the uh, it's the women that he hangs around with uh, who are the ones who try and bring him the class. Uh, apparently, if you book a flight with a debit card compared with a credit card, there's a bit less legal protection if things go badly and it could end up being cancelled. OK, so if you book a flight with a debit card compared with a credit card, there's a little bit less legal protection. Yeah, you need the credit card, don't you? And also, if it's over 100 quid, then they can they sort it out for you. So uh, you have been told. Still to come, the open and shut case of the illegal house hidden by a garage door. Yes, who are the two idiots who decided to cheat the uh, the planning laws? We'll tell you after this. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, a very nice to be company. The papers are full, full today of um, a Valentine's Day things, which is flowers, chocolates, meals. I mean, for example... Here's, here's a rough idea. You can buy in Morrison's um, a true love bouquet. OK, this is a few uh, roses. Very nice. They all look very nice. Right? They all look the same to me. And why red? I've got no idea. You know, I'd much rather see a multicoloured bouquet or pink or whatever it is. Anyway, you can get uh, this lovely bouquet here, the true love, 35 quid. OK, but you can go to Morrison's and for £15, if you don't want to buy it, they're 35 bouquet, they'll do a bouquet to fiver, you can get 
a choice of starters, a main course, which looks chicken and a side dish, a dessert and a bottle of, um, of Prosecco for 15 quid. I mean, that looks like a meal for one, actually, as far as I'm concerned, but they think it's a meal for two. Or you can get 100 roses for 25 quid. 100 roses for £25. I mean, it makes you wonder, doesn't it, really, how much the poor people who are picking these things are getting paid at the other end. Now, on to the house. This is a couple. Uh, One is a doctor, obviously, as bent as they come. I mean, this is totally illegal. They disguised a small secret home as a garage. In fact, it was a garage that they converted into a little house. And this was in an attempt to deceive the planners. This is Dr. Rita Hezala and her partner, Hamdi Al-Masri, flouted the planning laws. What they did, they built behind a fake garage door um, a house. They used a fence to hide the house that had been converted from an old garage at the property in Leicestershire. They've been under investigation since October 2015. They're a pair of benties, as we know, and they've now been ordered to pay more than... £2,000. I think it was about £700 each, plus they had to pay uh, court costs. After failing to attend court or enter pleas, they're that bent, they were convicted of a raft of planning breaches in their absence. I mean, I love the way that people go, I'm not turning up. Well, you've been fined, haven't you? £700 each, £1,252 in legal costs and a £77 victim surcharge. They've now got to restore the garage to its former use. Uh, the couple had created an unauthorised vehicle access onto a dual carriageway. After receiving, receiving reports, the council, who were called Blaby, approached uh, Herzala and uh, Al-Masri in an attempt to rectify. The pair submitted a retrospective planning application that was rejected and dismissed on appeal by the planning inspectorate. And so what they did was they moved the fencing around. They deliberately tried to do it. They undertook in May and June some remedial work which included removing some of the excess fencing. However, following up inspections in July, August, November, showing how much money the council wasted on this pair of crooks, uh, it showed that no work had been done to the garage, leaving the council to seek prosecution. So the council's cabinet member is Councillor Sheila Scott. She said, the message is clear. If you breach planning regulations and ignore us, we will not just go away, but we will, in fact, pursue it. This bent couple did it to try and hide the garage. But, in fact, once you take down the door, there is a front door... There are two windows. I mean, they're quite clearly crooks. So I'm glad they got fined. You know, it's a miserable place to live. It's the size of a garage. It's tiny. It is the size of a... I mean, I couldn't get my car in this garage, but I'd like to try driving it through the front door. I mean, that'd be good. And they've even got a letterbox there, but they put up a fake garage door over the front to fool the council. And presumably all their neighbours. All their neighbours must be going, what they're doing? Oh, they're, 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 they're probably going to move somebody in and rent it out because they're crooks. And she's a doctor. Wow. That's not good, is it, really? But anyway, they've been fined for it. So uh, I was quite pleased about that, actually. I've got another good story, which I quite like. Uh, Scientists are trying as fast as... Oh, I've I've also got a story about gypsies uh, with an aversion to bricks who've won a green belt law. Uh, And also, the good news is that for these particular gypsies, they wanted to be near the school for their children. I thought the whole idea was that they don't do school. I thought that's the whole idea. I remember seeing... I've seen my big fat gypsy wedding and the kids don't do school. That's why whenever they went out with the girls, they couldn't read or write. At the age of 14 or 15, they went... Do you remember I I told you they went to do paintballing? 
George, to me, looks like a complete thing. And so the guy says, yeah, OK, but for insurance, you've got to fill in your names and addresses. They sat there staring at the form. They could not read or write. So, anyway, don't think we're talking out of school on that one. But anyway, they've got an aversion to bricks. It's always a good excuse, isn't it? I've got an aversion to... Oh, I've got an aversion. I can't think of anything, actually. I've got an aversion to... Sorry, the GC. <laughs> the GC. Could be, actually, yeah. No, it was... Th- th- this was a really good story, and it's about scientists. And I can't remember which, which paper it is in. Who've, who've, who've got an opportunity to investigate some ice... 120,000 years old, I think in Antarctica, to find out what life was like. Because you know that the ice in Antarctica can be many miles thick. And they've done uh, reconnaissance, air reconnaissance. That's right, yeah. Um, and they've gone down there, and it's, it's miles and miles down, and they've discovered that there is almost, as in Jules Verne's journey to the centre of the Earth, they've discovered that there is a huge lake or ocean Underneath, and it could be this particular one is an ecosystem which has been hidden beneath, hold your breath, the Antarctic ice shelf for up to 120,000 years. The iceberg known as A68, they never give them exciting names, do they? It's A68, uh, is carved off from a long ice shelf in the northwest part of the Weddell Sea, known as the Larsen Ice Shelf, exposing the seabed. Scientists have now got a race against time to study the ecosystem before sunlight starts to affect the surface layers of the sea. And if you look at it, it's amazing. So what they've done, marine biologist Dr. Katrin Lintz from the British Antarctic Survey is leading the mission. She said it's very exciting. We've put together a whole load of people. Very important we get there quickly before the undersea environment changes as sunlight enters the water and new species begin to colonise. And so they don't know what's actually underneath it. They've got no idea. The Larsen ice shelf is is well known, but they're going to spend three weeks. They'll have satellite to monitor and navigate, and then they'll see what's... They could come up with all sorts of things that you've never seen before. They will investigate the sea. They're looking for seafloor animals, plankton, sediments, water samples, and they will also use a sledge pulled along the seafloor to collect tiny animals. They think that's exciting. I think that's absolutely amazing. Also set to blaze past Earth later this week is a 40-metre-wide asteroid. Duck! That'll be heading our way, won't it, very quickly. What the dickens is that? Is that a creature from under there? A mysterious creature living under the ice? You'll never see some of these things again. That's Gemma Collins, isn't it? You Come on, that's her in a previous life form. An amoeba. And uh, it's, it's Oh, look at the time. But, I mean, that's I, I love things like that. But I love the idea that the ice is so thick in Antarctica that... At least a few miles down, there is a, a lake, or, as they say, it could be a sea with waves and all sorts of things. It's a, it's a separate ecosystem. It's journey to the centre of the earth. News at five coming up here on LBC in a matter of seconds. Paul Burrell claims he talks to the Queen when he wants to. Jack and Ori, Jack and Ori, Jack and Ori. Noel's house potty, he claims that trees talk to each other. Real fur sold as fake in markets. And uh, Gemma's passed her use-by date. I've been saying it for ages. Now the critics are saying the same thing. And Tramadol deaths have doubled. Plus, pub state crisis has now hit Nando's. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Tuesday, 13th of February. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. I don't care whether you're working, whether you're skiving, whether you're ill, you're on holiday. Many of the younger people listening are on holiday. It's exciting, isn't it? I'm trying to find something to do, though. And that, of course, proves a problem for many people nowadays. They've got no idea what to do. What should we do today? I mean, sometimes you see mummies and 
sons and daughters sitting on the bus, and you think, I hope they're going out. I mean, it's not just mummy doing shopping. Uh, Danny Dyer turns out to be as boring as her boring, dreary father. Apparently, she did try for a, a job on the BBC One soap, but she didn't get that because she's a barmaid and she hasn't got any experience. So instead, far, far, far better to go on a show where you can get your boobs out and uh, have sex. That's far more, obviously, educational. And so because she's, uh, she's out of survival of the fittest, they're now thinking that, that you can put her on Love Island. God, she must be desperate. She must be desperate. But there again, her father always was a little bit desperate. His track record, never so good. You could have put him on Love Island ages ago. But uh, also, she's not a looker. That's the problem. She's, she's plain, plain Jane. Plain Jane, even though she's called Danny. And they say that she wants... Because she's now getting... She's obviously got a publicist. That's why she's getting all this publicity, because otherwise she's nobody. You know, otherwise she might as well go around to any old pub, mightn't you? Uh, what have we got here? We've got uh, Prisoner. Charles Bronson plans to buy a croft in Scotland when he's released. What year would that be, darling? When, when are we looking? Do we have a date for this? He's already browsing homes for sale, according to his best man. The rubbish that gets put out about people in prison. Honestly. He's going to buy Croft. Good, far enough away. Da, 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 da. Oh, look, fallen off the end, which is lovely. Uh, out on the... Uh, so, oh, the tossers will be out today, won't they? The pancakes. Uh, they've got to be very careful. You know why? Because apparently, fear of rain and health and safety. And I don't know about you, but, you know, I have done over my time. I've tried tossing. It just doesn't. Some people are good at it. And some people aren't. You know, many's the time it's about practically been stuck on the ceiling. But they're, they're now saying here that uh, people could get hurt. If it rains, you know why? They're running over grass. And so if you fall over, you might sue. And the Met Office has predicted heavy rain and 40 mile an hour winds. So they've, uh, they've axed the race in Christchurch in Dorset, which raises funds for local charities. And people run down a hill. It's like chasing the cheese down. Only this is tossing as you go down. And then at the end, they've raised money and people go, fantastic. But the, uh, the people who organise it go, well, if it's wet and they fall down, they might damage themselves. And? I don't quite see the point of this. It just doesn't make any difference, does it? I mean, you know, it, it's actually done in, uh, in London. There's the Rehab Parliamentary Pancake Race where they do, they do toss crepes for charity. And it's organised by the charity Rehab, which helps people with mental and physical disabilities and the vulnerable to rebuild independent lives. And so you've got teams of MPs, lords and members of the press. Again, it'll be the same show-offs that you've seen doing everything else, won't it? You could just imagine who's actually on there. And uh, I, can't, I haven't recognised any particular tossers uh, looking at it, but I'm assuming Diane Abbott will be in there. Mo Flynn, she's from Rehab. She's the group person. They don't have to toss very far, do they? Naga Manchetti, oh God. She's, she's the official starter. She earns more money than Charlie State on the programme. So I was hoping it would have been Charlie State. Here are the people. They're all tossing. There's quite a group of them, actually. Faisal Islam, who's the political editor of Sky News. Obviously a little bit desperate to get a little bit more publicity for himself. There's a media team. Tracy Crouch, never heard of her. She's an MP, but never mind, dear. I'm sure you'll get some publicity at some point. Who are the other people? I like, I like to know names on this thing. And so there's Lord John of Bledsoe. Again, not... Not a clue, I'm afraid, but we, we mentioned their names. And who else have we got? I, I, can, I can see the start. And, and then there's people running, tossing as they run. Not many people turned up for it, but it's, it's, it's a good photo opportunity. I don't think they were all tossing. That bloke definitely at the front was not tossing as he was running. Def ah, that was good. That's a, definitely a good tosser. That was good there. And, uh, oh, lost a hat, poor soul, fell off. But who are the people? 
Though, I mean, normally it's sort of, it, it is the general show-offs, isn't it? Where they go, yeah, I'm, I'm a show-off MP or I'm a show-off member of the press. Clive Lewis MP. Not a lot you can say about him, is there really? I don't know anything about Clive Lewis MP, but judging by his, uh, his picture, very high cheekbones. And they've got a little cup, and that makes him presumably best tosser. Steve Pound. I oh, don't mind Steve Pound. I love Steve Pound. Steve Pound sends me a Christmas card every year. He's, Steve Pound and I get... The MPs won, did they? Of course they did. The press would be too piddled, wouldn't they, if we are doing anything like that. So uh, we don't know. It's in, Oh, it's today. Is it today? Oh, great. You want to go? It's Victoria Tower Gardens. Uh, it's free. You don't have to pay for it. So if you want to watch a bunch of tossers running round uh, a little course, go down there today. What time it is, I've got no idea. But good luck to everybody. Hope they raise uh, lots and lots of money. Ten o'clock, is it? God, the mine of information, aren't you, this morning? Look at that. You know, one minute I say I don't know what time it is, and the next minute he comes right back with ten o'clock. You know? Of course, it's probably eleven when you just sort of get there, and you know, it's all finished. All finished, I think. Uh, Steve, listened to you for years, and uh, I think you're very good. I'm absolutely brilliant. I'd have to be. I'm still here. If only you could learn to spell, that would be easier. You know who that is again, don't you? You know who that one is. Don't we have to check these things? <laughs> so funny. Oh, is it not? Oh. Why is it that spelling is getting worse in this day and age? Why is it that people cannot spell for love nor money? No, I've never seen it spelled like that either. Anne Widdicombe has become an unlikely fashion icon. Of course she has. Nobody wants to look like Anne Widdicombe. Since her appearance, apparently night dresses and handbags, similar to those she had during her time, have seen a surge in sales. Her spokesman said... Anne has had so many inquiries about her nighties and handbags. Yes, I should imagine from peculiar people. Why would you want to inquire about her nighty? Old, that's why she's single. It's the night attire. She's become quite the trendsetter. No, she hasn't. She lost to a drag queen, which means that even as drag, Anne Whittacombe couldn't pull it off. But she did dress up, didn't she, as one of the... She dressed up as something and made a buffoon of herself. But there again, most of her career has been a bit of a buffoon of herself, which is not so good. Uh, the sick virus wiping out the Olympics. I watched a bit of the Olympics last night. I watched people doing, I think it must be speed skating. Ever so fast. Ever so, when they turn a corner, why don't they fall over? It's very slippy, that ice. And they have this sort of, this action. And one, sometimes your hand's behind your back. And then you get, I can do it. I just can't actually do it on the ice. I can do it sort of right. But it, and I, I was quite watching that. And I quite enjoyed that bit. I liked the snowboarding. That was quite good. But the rest of it was as boring as hell. I mean, I didn't like the bobsled. That's where you lie on your back, isn't it? Was... Oh, the four of them get in the car. That's right. One, one sort of jumps in at the last minute. I'd like to see Gemma Collins, the one who sort of jumped in on, you know, as she's... Mind you, I don't know if we'd actually get her in one of those things. I, I more see her on a tea tray, lying on her back. You know, that's skeleton bob, isn't it? I quite like that. I thought that was actually quite clever. Of course, I'd be crashing into everything on the way down. And, and you go very fast and you've literally got to cling on and then just hope that you don't die. Because it's, it's too far. It's on ice. I rest my case. It's on ice, for goodness sake. Uh, what have we got here? Steve, the sunken wreck Montgomery is in the estuary off Shoebury Nest, the one that would sink Canvey and the surrounding areas. Is it wise, Captain Mannering? Says Mark. I don't know, actually. I don't know anything about the, uh, the wreck. But uh, listen, I mean, it, whatever it is, there's going to be a lot of water heading up into the air. Alan Partridge is coming back on television, new TV chat show. And here she is. You know, I didn't even need to answer my own question on this one. Here is, it's a picture of, um, of somebody who thinks they're glamorous, but her roots really need doing. It's very bad. The trouble is, if you've got really bad roots, like Candice Swanepoel, she looks sizzling as she unveiled her own swimwear range. 
and she's 29 years old, and she's a Victoria's Secret model. For that read, she'll get her boobs out for just about anybody, because it's the same as just being page three. You might as well say they're page three girls. That's all they are. To, to make you know, When they say Victoria's Secret, it makes them sound classy, but unfortunately, they are just page three girls. They're just model their underwear. There is a little picture of, um, of George Toffolo, Georgie Toffolo, a bit difficult to tell. They've uh, managed to get her into her bra and knickers. So I'm sure her parents must be absolutely thrilled that she's reached the dizzy heights after such a good education of modelling her underwear. The problem is, she's very short and she's not busty. She's, so it's really a bit pointless because there's not even cleavage. You know, and unfortunately the majority of the people who be looking at those sort of pictures will be looking for, you know, a little bit busty, you know. But there's, there's no, even if you airbrush cleavage in, it still wouldn't look uh, right at all. I still want to find out, from anybody who's been to Nando's, do they do steak? I thought they just did chicken. But apparently, the steak crisis, they've just had to bin another load from another supplier because they were worried about the fact that, you know, we might be uh, sort of made ill by this stuff. And now Nando's have ditched this stuff as well. I didn't even know they did steaks. Because in which case, I'd probably have a steak with with a piece of chicken or something like that. But it's terribly expensive for chicken. I mean, it's really, really expensive. I don't know why all of a sudden chicken has become expensive. Uh, front page of The Sun this morning. Inmate tried to slit my throat. This is um, Ian Huntley. As I say, I couldn't care less about Ian Huntley. I'm not remotely interested in tapes or anything else at all. Paddy's wife's agony over Nicole. This is Nicole. When you read some of the texts she's apparently been sending to him, you suddenly realise she's obviously not to be trusted at all. Uh, Noel talks to trees. Producer thinks that's hilarious. But he talks to his cats. How many have you got? Two or one? Two. And he talks to them. And the cats haven't got the faintest idea what he's talking about. Seriously. They they sort of listen. And he goes, hello, hello. And they go, what's he saying? One's very violent. (laughs) Figures, doesn't it, really? Cats are always like that. A friend of mine's got two cats. And uh, one of them is sort of the... I just want to go to sleep. And the other one is, I don't trust you. Just give me food and I'm going out to go and kill things. And a friend of mine years ago, her, her, her cat, uh, used to bring stuff back in, like beheaded squirrels and mice and things like that. Oh, dear me. Not so good, is it? Not so good. Uh, what else we got here? Steve, uh, Gemma Collins in a bobsleigh. No, 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 no. She could be the bobsleigh. Uh, I don't think she could, actually. Uh, Joe says, speaking of ships, Steve, did you know they found the Titanic? I wish people had stopped with this one. I've proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that they haven't. This is this is a made up Internet story that people have put about and you're people spreading. And we've said it before. Fake news. I'm sick to death of the Titanic. You know, they go, oh, we found the Titanic, Steve, and all the rest of it. And we did a piece on the programme. Regular listeners will know. New listeners will will not know that uh, we exposed it as fake news. You know, all this rubbish and, you know, Disney are going to send down a submersible. It was faked. It was done in a tank, I think owned by the, I think the RAF or the Navy or something like that in Bushy Park, just in West London. It was faked up. They just did little bits of it, put it all together and they went, oh, and here's the chandelier and here's this. And, and if, if we go into this cabin, all, for, all dummied up, all dummied up. And what they've done is they it wasn't submerged. They shot through a water tank. So, in other words, they had a thin piece of tank. They shot through it and it made it look as though it was. So when you see people going like that, they were pretending. They weren't actually in the water. 
Okay, they're just it was like the moon landings exactly again. More fake news, more people trying to convince people that we did land on the moon. Have you seen how far it is away? How much petrol would you need to get up there? I mean, it's ridiculous. I can barely get to South End on half a tank. And people go, oh, we went to the moon. Yeah. Did anybody see the craft going round the moon? No, because it's too far away. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 5.20 is the time. Do you know that there are how many addicts to betting machines in the bet shops do you think there might be? This is addicts who are registered as opposed to people who just pop in and play these machines. I did say that these machines take a fortune. They're the high street betting machines. They're all centrally linked, all of them, to one main computer. So you're not playing against the machine. You're playing against the country. An average machine can take between twenty and £40,000 a week. That's why most betting shops have at least three of them. You know, they're a very, very good source of income. Very good source of income. Well, according to the latest stats, the figures, 120,000 people are addicted to these machines. And you do see people. I've been in a couple of betting. I haven't, to be honest with you, I'll be, hold my hands up. I did used to play these, not these ones. I play, these, these are computer machines. I used to play the old-fashioned things where you could hear the wheels going round. And, and it wasn't a computer. It was, you know, proper machine. But they were fixed. There was, you know, there was, it said, you know, pays out 76%. Never my money. Pays out somebody else's. And I did used to play them in pubs a long time ago. But as, you know, I, I tend not to do that now. I haven't done it for years and years. It's always interesting when I go past a betting shop, there are the same people who are playing on these machines every day. And they will let you put it on your credit card. Or it might, might be debit card. Whatever it is. You go to the counter, you give them the card and you go 50 quid. And they will clock up 50 quid on that machine for you because they, they can do that from the other side of the counter. And so people play with it. And I've seen people with a £1,000 on their win meter. And you think, get out. Take the money out. Take it away. And then they, then they decide to gamble it. Because you're playing against the country. But there's 120,000 registered addicts, people who are addicted to these things. And you have to ask yourself the question, what is it so addictive about it? Go to Vegas. You want to see addiction? Go to Vegas. You will see, from the moment you get off the aeroplane, people playing fruit machines. They're just obsessed because they're looking for, is this going to be the time I'm going to pull it and four melons are going to come up and a million pounds is going to drop out? Because they do have machines that pay a million dollars. They have a giant machine. It's a dollar a go, or it used to be a dollar a go. It could be $5 now. And you put the money in, and you pull the giant handle. And if you win... But there's all sorts of rules. People have done it before. There was a, a couple, years and years ago, who went to Vegas. And they had their, their son. And they didn't know. But they let him pull the handle, and they won a million dollars. And the casino wouldn't pay out. And they said, why? And they said, because your son pulled the handle. He's not old enough to play machines. You've got to be, I think, 21 or something like that. And he was only 16. And they went, oh, they went, yeah, should have read the rules. This is a casino. He can he can wander about the slot machines. He can't go anywhere near the near the gambling tables. They've got pit bosses who go around and check and they will they will throw throw people out. I said to friends of mine before when they're going over there, you've got to be 21 to go anywhere near this stuff. But he pulled the handle and they got the million dollars, but they didn't win it. They weren't allowed to have it because he would pulled the handle. So all these things you have to check, don't you? And also, you know, it's no good then going, oh, I think there's something the matter with the machine and it's all the rest. They don't, they don't make you gamble. It's the addiction of standing there watching all the flashing lights and hearing other people with money pouring out of the machines. You think, it's got to be my turn. I played a machine once and I played it in the, I can't remember which hotel it was, uh, but it was, it was the cheap machine. <laughs> I only play the cheap machine because I don't want to put, you know, $5, $10 in. I'm not going to do that. And this one was something like 
20 cents a go. Whatever it was, um, there was an old... Le- there were four of us uh, group round. There's only two of us playing. It was a four-bank machine thing. And so I've got an old lady on my left-hand side. There would have been one on the other side. And all of a sudden, I, I sort of push push the button, the reel span round, and then it started clocking up. So I'd go... And it started going really mad. Really, really mad. And so I said... So the woman said to me, Oh, you've done well, haven't you? And I said... Have I won this? She said, yeah, it'll keep going. And it kept going. And I kid you not, I ended up with something, I can't remember off the top of my head, whatever it was, I remember thinking it said something like 34,000 something on it. It just kept clicking up, clicking up, clicking up. And I remember thinking, what the heck, what's it paying out on? I didn't know what it was paying out on. And it was one of those machines where it was just not the middle line, but it was the vertical lines, the horizontal lines, the diagonal lines, the four corners. It was everything. And I'd got this thing up and it just kept going forever and a day. And ended up walking away with something like, I mean, I thought it was going to be millions. But what it does, none of the machines pay cash now. They pay you out a piece of paper. You take the piece of paper to another machine, you put it in there, because otherwise it could be fiddling, and that machine will read the barcode and it will pay you up the, uh, the appropriate amount of money. And I think I walked away with something like, it was, it was only like $250. It was nothing really, but uh, to me it seemed like a fortune. But it never tempted me to go and gamble. I'll do the, I'll do the national, but I don't know anything else. So to discover there's only 120,000 addicts in the country. I can understand how you could be addicted to things like that. And there'll be many of you listening going, I love it. I've got friends of mine who play online poker. And they've gone to me, oh, it's really exciting. I said, you're playing a machine. You're playing a computer. It anticipates. It knows what you're going to do. Years ago, there used to be a, a, a slot machine, which in the middle uh, had a dice in a, in a, like a cup, and it would show you the, uh, the dice. You could see the dice number, and then it would, it would turn it round and round and round and shake up the dice. And, and then it would do, so in other words, it would have, say, what did it go up to, six or something? Uh, oh, sorry, five. And you would go, well, it's going to be lower, and it would come in six. It would shake it up each time. Until somebody said to me, it's electromagnets. It knows exactly what number you've pushed on it, and it can do the opposite. I was ever so miffed, ever so miffed. That this thing would know what I was doing, but it was electromagnets. I wonder why it went down with a thump. And you go to Vegas, and there's acres and acres and acres and acres of slot machines. If you like slot machines, you're in paradise. Absolute paradise. If fact, if paradise was half as nice, you know, you can, you can see these. And as far as the eye can see, there's people sitting there playing slot machines. Some win, most lose. And that's what keeps it going. So 120,000 addicts. And that's just over here. And it's the poor people who do it because... They want to win. Some people say that was my last fiver or my last tenner. If I only had a tenner left, the last thing I'd be doing is putting it on a horse or a slot machine or anything. I'm far too mean. I want the money, thank you very much indeed. I wouldn't want to risk anything else. I really wouldn't. Uh, In the papers today, here's a picture of... Oh, it's Vogue Williams. That's dim Vogue Williams. And we know she's dim because she appeared on the celebrity... Mastermind, and she didn't know anything. But she's uh, she's going to get married to uh, made in Chelsea ladies man, oh Spencer Matthias. After a performance at the uh, Lion King, they met last year on the ski show The Jump, and uh, Spencer went hello, hello, and uh, what'll be another notch on my bedpost because he's got quite a few notches. And she went yes, and so that's it. So they're now they're now together. Which is fantastic, and hopefully it's the last we ever see of either of them. Uh, what did we have the other day? Oh, a very dreary Graham Norton show. Rob Beckett was on there. No matter which way you do it, you cannot turn this man into a presenter. Might be a very funny comedian or a good voiceover, but it's not presenting. 
Uh, Four Corning space hopper Gemma Collins is one of those rare monsters who's simply too unpleasant for television. The words of Ali Ross writing in The Sun today. Uh, yet it keeps on offering her another chance at redemption. The latest stop-off being celebs go dating on the E4 channel where starstruck civilians are mismatched with the likes of Made in Chelsea's Sam Thompson, hilariously naff, uh, Ollie Locke, camp as a Christmas tree, as if Christmas trees were ever camp, and Gemma, who put her first date on hold until he has some cosmetic procedures and walked out, uh, walked out on her seconds after four minutes when he had the temerity to point out she was half an hour late. Remarkable thing about this series, though, is that it's found someone even more charmless than the old Essex ogress, Love Island's Muggy Mike uh, Thalassitis, who has the looks of a Greek god, the brains of a Greek yoghurt and all the warmth of a mass grave. With a sense of humour to match. I had a Labrador, he told first date Emma, but I strangled it. Joke. Ha ha. That's how thick he is. If you're wondering then why so many of us are hooked on this show, it's probably all down to Rob Beckett's savagely funny commentary and the brilliant star-crossed dinner dialogue as demonstrated here by Sam Thompson and some deadpan babe called Vienna. So what do you do then? My mum's got a florist business, but before that I was doing embalming. Mike, meet Vienna. Vienna, please meet Mike. Yes, it is. Poor old Gemma Collins, a charmless old bag who shouldn't be allowed anywhere near a television. But they keep putting her on there. Why? Because people laugh at her. We laugh at the simplicity and the stupidity of her. Somebody wants to know whether or not I've um, I've, I've drunk uh, Red Bull in the morning. Absolutely. Of course I wouldn't drink Red Bull. Why would I? Who does? Darren, he likes those sort of fizzy drinks. You see, I, I don't do... I can't do sugary drinks. Obviously, I can't do fizzy drinks full stop. Much as I would probably love to, and years ago I would have done. Now, I wouldn't touch them. I'm a good boy. Good boy. Even though I do, I do touch Prosecco, but I wouldn't touch uh, Red Bull. I know they do a diet, a sugar-free one, don't they? But it just doesn't interest me. No, I get by on this programme on, uh, on a few cups of tea. And so should you as well. I see people standing at the bus stops holding a can of Red Bull, and I think, God, you must have had a very late night. Not me at all. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. LBC and its sister stations from Global are celebrating the biggest stars from the world of music, news and entertainment. The Global Awards are coming. An incredible night will feature live performances from Andrea Bocelli and Sam Smith. The shortlist have just been revealed, so who will get your vote? Voting is open now. To vote, download the Global Player app or go to lbc.co.uk. The date, Thursday, March the 1st. One huge night. It's the Global Awards. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Somebody says, what about the Loch Ness Monster? Is that fake? Simon. Now, you know, it never existed ever. Not ever, 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 ever. It was made up by some drunk Scottish people who'd been out and they saw, back in the 1950s, a piece of log floating in the loch. And they took a picture of it and it went round the world. People said, oh, this is the Loch Ness Monster. And then this story originated that the Loch Ness Monster is millions of years old. It doesn't breathe, apparently. It's obviously got its own aqua lung. It lives in, in caves which are hidden deep below, beneath uh, Loch Ness. It swims in and out so it can go to the sea and then come back in again. Uh, it's vegetarian because there's no fish in the loch. And also you'll never find it because the loch is full of silt. Um, and so it's, and also it's obviously single because otherwise there'd be loads. You'd have to stop the kids. Don't go up there. Don't go up there. We don't want to be photographed. So they've never, ever had a photograph of it. I mean, even the one from the 1950s, a child of two could have painted this on a piece of glass. It was like the little girls, wasn't it? Don't you remember who took pictures of fairies? 
at the bottom of their garden. This was long before the advent of Made in Chelsea or Dick Emery or anybody else. Fairies abounded at the bottom of the garden. And so these two little girls, or let's call them professional liars, decided to cut pictures of fairies out of a book and with the help of a little bit of cotton from their mummy's sewing basket, they hung them from trees and took photographs of them. And the the people at the time, who was sort of, you know, sort of, it must have been post-Victorian, believed it. And they believed the girls. The girls stuck to their story. Yes, there are fairies at the bottom of the garden. And then one of the little girls died when she was quite old, and the other one still kept it going. Yes, there were fairies. We photographed them, and we would go and play with them and all this kind of thing. They were compulsive liars. I mean, they should have been admonished years ago and had a good old slap on the back of the legs. And then finally... One of the little girls admitted that she was about to die. They were fairly ancient, you know, by that time. The first one had died. And she said, yeah, we actually cut the pictures out of books. She told them the books they cut them out of. I'm surprised nobody ever saw it, actually. But there again, we didn't have computers, so you couldn't check on these things. And she said we just sort of attached a little bit of cotton and hung them in the trees. And the same for the Loch Ness Monster. There's a few barking mad people up there. Mainly a drink problem. There is a bit of a drink problem around there. And they admit to... Uh, there's one man, he's Japanese. He's been living in a caravan by the side of Loch Ness for something like 20 years. He's seen nothing. Why? Because there's nothing there. There's nothing there. There is no Loch Ness Monster. There is no... It's not coming out of the world. I know Hollywood has made a few films about it, but it makes you wonder, doesn't it? In the days of, you know, megapixel cameras, which are so perfect, so perfect, you would get a really good picture. There's not one decent picture of the Loch Ness Monster. Darren, as you know, does the programme prior to this. You probably probably haven't guessed, but he is a, a Scottish person. He speaks the Scottish language, and he's from the Highlands, and he insists it's real. Of course, because if a Scottish person, and you can be drummed out of the brownies for this one, if you actually say, say to people, it doesn't actually exist, it's keeping a tourism industry alive. And people have guest houses around Loch Ness, which is very long, and they say that's why you can never find it. They've trawled the lock, they've done echo sounding, they've done cameras underwater, nothing, 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 because it doesn't exist. But it's keeping... A tourist industry alive. There's a few people up there, like uh, Wee Jimmy Cranky and people like that, and they've probably got a guest house. And they say, you know, I mean, that's the Loch Ness Monster, and we used to feed it at the back gate. And they'll swear blind. It's like the people who want to believe in flying saucers. They'll swear blind. These things come down, do crop circles. They're barking mad. Mainly drink problems, you know. Or if not, they've certainly got one or two screws loose. So I'm afraid there is no... There is no Loch Ness Monster. You know, the, the story of the Titanic, of course, goes down into legend. You know, here was the ship that, uh, that couldn't sink. <laughs> well, apparently it did. Uh, but they're building the equivalent of the Titanic, I think, over in Australia or something like that. They are building, and you'd have thought they'd have learned from the first one, but apparently not. So they're building the second one, and people will no doubt book to go on it. Although I'd want to see a little bit of a... You know, a little bit of exercise. Do it a few times, then I might get on it. But up until then, uh, Andy says you'll be questioning Brigadoon next. Don't start me on Bonnie Prince Charlie. You know, as if he existed. I think not. I think not. All this sort of story about men in kilts made up to support an industry that died out years ago. It just doesn't. The Bonnie Prince Charlie. Ah, you know, Scots were how we want this player, and it, it just doesn't exist. You know, flying saucers. Don't exist. Ghosts don't exist unless you count Gemma Collins first thing in the morning in a nighty. 
Or would that be Anne Widdicombe? Anyway, one of the two. It's, uh, it's quite horrible. You know, you'd be sitting there and all of a sudden this ghostly figure floats through a wall and people will sit there and swear blind, you know, and they'll go, I'm a police officer and I saw this thing. This plane came down in, in front of me and, and it took the car up in... Oh, yes, of course it did, dear. And we're supposed to believe you because you're a police officer. No, not me. I'm the world's biggest cynic. I don't believe anything like that. And somebody says they have just booked a cruise on the Titanic around the Caribbean. He said, I shall put all this fake news... Uh, to bed for you by taking some photographs of the ship and I'll post them on Facebook. And I'm very excited because we've been informed that Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCap are going to be on board as well. I think that's amazing. Make them stand at the front of the ship. You know, king of the world. I'd like to do that because, you know, you can still see that bit, the bit that uh, Hollywood made up. It's plastic. And what they've done is they've sprayed it to make it look as though it's uh, metal. I've seen this kind of stuff before. I've been out to museums. I've been to the V&A Museum where you've got things that you swear blind are concrete. They're not. They're rubber. They've made they, they've almost um, they've done. I don't know what they call it now. I can't remember. There's a name for it, but they, they do it at the V&A Museum. And these towers, beautiful engravings on, they cover them in rubber and then they peel it off. And then you get that. It looks very lovely, actually. It's very good. Uh, it says on the tin that diabetics like you shouldn't touch Red Bull, says Mark. Why do you mind your own business? What's got to do with you? I told you I don't drink it. He says, uh, I wouldn't have thought the Greek yoghurt. Uh, I would have thought the Greek yoghurt had more personality. Yeah. I don't get that, actually, but never mind, it doesn't matter. Uh, show on form as usual this morning, Steve. Particularly enjoyed hearing about the marmalade-making aunt who took the pith out of oranges. Yes, yes, she did. I mean, she worked there for many, many years, actually. Many, many years. Also, uh, somebody says, did you know the swimming pool on the Titanic is still full of water? Well, it would be. People are still swimming in it, aren't they? I mean, let's face it, there are no place for liars like Kenny on the show, you band. OK, that's it. Now you've got no friends. What are you going to do now? What are you going to do? You'll have to write in and go, oh, please, and beg. You know, and that's that's what I like. I like it. Also, stop spreading Titanic lies. It's not it's not big and it's not clever and it's not nice because there are young people listening. As this is half term, more young people are tuning into the radio. You know why? Because they're getting up this morning hoping that mummy or daddy, and it'll probably be mummy, is going to take you somewhere interesting. But if you're old enough to do it by yourself, why don't you do yourself a favour and go to and go to a museum? Go to a museum. Don't don't do the one that everybody else does. No, don't don't do the Titanic Museum. That's just you know, uh, go to the V&A. Very educational. There's lots of stuff in there. Or if you if you really want to believe, go to the Natural History Museum, but don't go in by their front door. Go round the corner. This is the Steve Allen advice to anybody who comes to London. Do not queue. You'll see a queue a mile long today. We saw a queue. What did we see a queue for the other day? What were they queuing for? Oh, Sunday morning. They were queuing for Sherlock Holmes's fake property. On Baker Street, where some buffoon dresses up as a copper there. All Japanese. There must have been a hundred people queuing as we'd come back from Regis Park. And I said, what are they doing? And a friend of mine said, they're queuing to go in Sherlock Holmes's place. I said, but he never existed. And they go, I know that. You know that. They don't know that. So they've got a fake museum with his rooms where he worked with... I mean, it's just unbelievable twaddle here in London. Oh, dear me. Ridiculous, isn't it, really? Uh, what about a medium, says Joe in London? They have to be real. Oh, please. Please. Listen, you can say anything to anybody, can't you? I choose not to be a believer. That's my choice. You can choose to be a believer or not be a believer. I couldn't care less. You know, I'll tell you they're fake. You can tell me they're real. But that's your opinion. Everybody, luckily, is entitled to an opinion. You know, I'm a member of the Inner Magic Circle. You know, they were exposed by the Davenport brothers, fake mediums, people who would sit there, the, you know, the lights would dim and then all of a sudden a tambourine would come flying out. There used to be people who used to go, even on the Paul Daniels show, they, they brought over 
um, a lady who exposed mediums. They, they would literally, um, a simple thing, there'd be a post, they would tie her to it, the bloke would take a curtain round, and as it went round the back, all of a sudden, he changed into her, the curtain was pulled aside, and... Sorry, yeah, he, he, he changed, she changed into him, going, oh, anyway, whatever it was, whoever was tied to the post, the other one was then tied to the post, and they would check it. They would tie somebody up in a room, make sure they were all handcuffed up, then the next thing, tambourines would be flying out, and the person sitting in there, they'd be the one chained up to the, uh, to the table. So it's, it, we used to expose it years ago. It's done. It depends how you sell it. I mean, I have a tambourine at home. Whether you believe it or believe it not, I have a tambourine in a box and it plays by itself because I am possessed with spirits. Prosecco, gin, whiskey, vodka, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and it plays by itself. You will hear it. You know, I will open the box and there is only the tambourine in there. And I bought it many, many years ago in an auction in America. It cost an awful lot of money. Uh, it was once owned by Houdini. Uh, I have Houdini keys. I have all sorts of... Now, whether you choose to believe that is your business. I'm just telling you the story, because I tell stories. If you if you believe it, well, then we'll get on fine. If you choose not to believe it, I'm never going to speak to you ever again. But some people want to believe in ghosts, and some people choose not to believe in ghosts. Some people want to believe in crop circles, and some people want to believe that they're done by students. I can only tell you the fact that they're done by students. There is no spaceship like... Do, 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 do. Do, do, do. do you remember that film, Close Encounters? And we all went, wow. And it made people, it gave a reinforced belief in what is up there. And, and they will tell you, you know, in space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of, of the Starship Enterprise. And out it goes and it goes as far away as possible and hopefully stays there. And then apparently the further you get out, the more ugly people become. And people turn up, you know, and they look like Chewbacca. Chewbacca, I be- seriously. Noticed no underpants, not wearing any underpants. What's going on there? Can't have people. You know what animals are like. Mess, of, mess about all over the place. Even on Monkey World with the little ones, they put pants on and stuff like that. Goodness sake. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh, Steve. Next thing you'll be telling us there's no Santa Claus. Don't start people on things like that. I've seen him. I've been there. I've been inside the Arctic Circle. Goodness sake. What's going on, Steve? UFOs, ghosts, next you'll be telling me. The American, uh, America elected the host of a reality TV show for their president. That's, that's all going to turn out to be a dream. Seriously, by the time we get to Christmas, it's going to be like Dallas, you know, where Bobby sort of goes and then he wakes up in the shower. And, and it's going to be the same for the American president. At the moment, we think it's somebody called Trump. And uh, he's he's been on a reality show, and and it's it's going to turn out to be a dream. I promise you, and none of it will be none of it will be real at all. Please God, uh, Steve. Um, I see you started your fishing trip early, says Johan. I've heard about a light line, a medium line, and a strong line, but I see you found an extremely strong line, the Titanic line. Reel them in. I'm sure my friends listening in must realise that when I introduce them to your program, it was the best thing that ever happened to them. Carry on the good work. No, it's a gift, isn't it, really? I suppose we're very lucky. Oh, guess who's died? Vic Damone has died. Now, for people of a certain age, Vic Damone was a legendary singer. In fact, Frank Sinatra described him as the best set of pipes in the business. Uh, He hit the UK charts in 1958 
with a song that went, and you get a bonus prize if you can tell me the musical. I have often walked down the street before, but the pavement never stayed beneath my feet before. Da-da, once am I several stories high, knowing I'm on the street where you live, my fair lady. He had a big, big hit with that. He died in hospital in Miami Beach, Florida. He was 89, I think, 89. He was surrounded by his loved ones. He had four children, six grandchildren. He'd be living in a retirement home with his fifth wife until her death two years ago. Oh, goodness. He made 2,500 recordings. Last toured in 2011. Made his last uh, album in 2002. Victor Moan, who died. Plus, there's a Valentine's Day crackdown on benefit cheats. Do you know that? Do you, do you, oh, you want to hear a little bit of Victor Moan's voice? OK, a little bit of his uh, voice. This is On the Street Where You Live. On the street before But the pavement always stayed beneath my feet before God, I wish I could sing. I seriously wish I could. Sometimes you listen to somebody singing and as Sinatra said, he had the best set of pipes in the business because he, he was effortless, effortless. Victor Moan, who died the other day at the age of 89. Much missed by... Lo- a lot of you listening who know exactly who he is. Many of you going, who the dickens is that? He's, it'd be like me sort of an, oh, by the way, oh, by the way, I know there's something. Uh, do you remember I told you some time ago when they were talking about, oh, One, One Direction are going to be touring again and they're going to be getting back together? No chance. No chance. You know why? The touring office that they had has just been closed down. So presumably, unless they're going to open up another one, which I think is highly unlikely. And uh, somebody says, oh, thanks for spoiling Dallas. I know. <laughs> I've got a million like that, let me tell you. Uh, apparently, uh, my wife, says Tim, and I took our four children to the Imperial War Museum in Lambeth. An enjoyable day was had by all. It is a super museum. You know, unlike people who go, oh, the Imperial War Museum, it celebrates war. It doesn't. What it does is educate. It educates. You must go. You must absolutely go. Because they've got... Um, Oh, God, it's such a good place. It's such a good place to go to. And they've also got a very, very good place where you can get food. All the museums have upped their ante. And everybody from the British Museum to the, uh, the V&A. Uh, I've been to so many museums and their food standards are really, really good. So you should go there. Take the kids to the Imperial War Museum. It's an education. You can get the bus and you literally just get off the bus and walk over the road. And there it is. And it's, it's an amazing place. It's got a fantastic... Uh, Holocaust exhibition uh, and also some of the little boats that brought people back from France, from D-Day things like that. It's it's really it's just a place that knocks you sideways it really does. So uh, go go, there you go, that's a good thing to do actually. Uh, Another one here says, uh, isn't it nice to see a reality show with real stars? Um, I'm talking about the Winter Olympics to get there, mostly you have to start at about five years of age and train six days a week for the next 12 years as opposed to the other reality shows where you have to sit on your fat, tattooed bottom for 20 years and then go on television. I like the curling best. I'm not a fan of curling. I don't understand people wanting to, you know, you know, sort of brushing in front of the thing. Uh, Steve, uh, does Paul Smith have a picture of a wallet cut from a book and attached by cotton to his pocket in place of the real one? Or is it an urban myth? Treating you to a Nandos steak. Yes, I mean, I, I seriously had to check on whether or not it was uh, the first of April. But it's not. But it will be soon, with a bit of luck. Uh, Valentine's Day crackdown on benefits cheats. This is where they find out. Do you know how much money we actually pay out 
175 billion in benefits 16 between 2016 and 2017 that's with fraud and error accounting for around 3 billion investigators recovered a record 1.1 billion pounds and it's and the, the most common thing is people saying oh no we don't actually live together liars and they catch them out they actually found one one kelly delaney she paid the price. She raked in 83 grand by falsely claiming she was a single unemployed mother of two. In fact, she was a bent liar. Her husband was living with her in Leicester for one or two nights a week. And uh, he was also giving her financial support. She received a 15-month suspended sentence, was ordered to repay the cash and do 150 hours of unpaid work. You see, I'm not interested in repaying the cash. Throw him in prison. Throw him in prison. None of this suspended sentence malarkey. It's a waste of time. There is no deterrent, is there? No deterrent. They, I was watching a programme the other day. In, America, in, in Australia, they've, they've really got it. The, uh, the border controls there are fantastic. They had a guy there and uh, they said, uh, we'd like, you know, we think there's, uh, you know, some, some sort of um, something not right. We'd like to search you. No, I don't want to be searched. Well, we can call in a magistrate and he can order a search of you. I don't want to be. I think you're just picking on me because of the way I look. And uh, and so they said, no, no, we just, you know, it's just odd. We've looked at your travel and we've looked at this and that. And he kept saying, no, you picked on me. He said, my word is the truth. You should accept that. And I'm thinking, I know he's going to turn out to be a liar because otherwise they wouldn't be showing his face. And so they showed his face and he was adamant. And in the end, they said, well, listen, we need to go to a room and we need to sort this out because the magistrate will come over and he will decide whether or not we do this uh, this search on you, or we send you to hospital to make sure that you've not swallowed anything. Anyway, they go into this private room. Him having stood there and argued the toss with them about the fact that he wasn't carrying any drugs or anything else, and how dare they even insinuate he was carrying drugs. He had a packet, a parcel of drugs stuffed down his tracksuit bottoms, which had drugs, cocaine, worth £430,000. Uh, so much of a liar was he. And then it said, so-and-so, so-and-so was convicted of carrying £430,000 worth of cocaine. And he went to prison for seven and a half years. Over here, they'd go, would you like a holiday? Perhaps we can send you on holiday somewhere. South End's very popular this time of year. Mevergissi's very popular. And they had another bloke who claimed his brother had given him money. And again, he was another one who had swallowed lots and lots of little packets of heroin. And uh, he was, yeah, take my shoes off, do my shoe, I don't care, and all the rest of it. Have you swallowed anything? No. So when they eventually took him to uh, their machine, as he walked through it, or as it the machine passed through him, uh, you could see all these packets. And he also went to prison for seven and a half years. So those who protesteth too loudly, it's like people there and they stop them and they go, do you have any, uh, any of these drugs, guns, <laughs> machetes? Machine guns, cigarettes. And they go, do you know what the cigarette allowance is? And then you get these people go, um, no, I don't think so. Oh, right. Where have we just come from? Grand, Grand Canaria. OK, you know you're allowed 200 cigarettes. Are we? How, how, how many do you think you've got? 75,000. OK, fine. Uh, I think you're going to lose them all. And if you do it again next time, we're going to lock you up. You know, it's no good standing there going you don't know what the law is. Just because in Gran Canaria it's all duty-free, people think you can buy them and bring them back. 200 cigarettes. That's all you can bring back. 200 cigarettes. And so they go, oh, just, just for you, is it? Yeah, just for you. No, you liar. You're selling. People know. They're not stupid. Customs, you know, stand there and they're very patient. And the customs men, and then they, they've already x-rayed, so they know he's actually got the cigarettes. They just wait for you to pick up the bag from the thing. And they, all these bags had the same name on, but it was four different people that picked them up and they split up. 
But they got them in the end, and they lost all their cigarettes. That was kind of a waste of money, wasn't it? Uh, Valentine's Day is around the corner. Happy Valentine's Day. As I say, I'm saying that specifically to Paddy McGuinness's wife, because it's going to be the most miserable Valentine's Day you've ever had. Whereas I'm going to hospital to hopefully be hugged by one of the doctors. That's what they've been told not to do. But they just shake your hand. They go, you've done very, very well, Stephen. And, and I always go, thank you very much indeed. That's it. But uh, as I say, this time round, there'll be no hugging or kissing or anything else like that. They're just checking that I'm healing. And uh, I think I'm healing. We've got the news coming up very, very shortly. The fake will, the mum's bid to cheat her kids. She just lied. She just lied, which is a shame. Uh, the honeymoon couple who survived the Grand Canyon helicopter crash... Uh, the Gran, who's been left without nipples, who says don't risk going abroad for cheap plastic surgery. And Paul Burrell claims he talks to the Queen when he wants to. There's lies and then there's more lies and then there's Paul Burrell. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Tuesday, the 13th of February. It's freezing in London. Mind you, what are we complaining about? I'm sitting in a, an air-conditioned warm studio, luxuriating in the chair. I might just sort of lay myself down on the floor. It's all very exciting. Probably freezing cold where you are in the uh, the world. I can't wait for summer, actually. Can't wait for summer. I'm not particularly bothered about the heat. It's just that it'd be nice to wake up to sort of a decent morning as opposed to something overcast and very, very gloomy. So the Oxfam story rumbles on. I seriously begin to think as I read the newspapers and I look at all the stories. And this morning you'll see headlines like Oxfam chief knew of sex claims. Oxfam deputy quits as charity fights the scandal fallout. Abuse. New one for today, rife in Oxfam shops, 123 complaints of abuse. I can't help but feel that this is not going the way they were expecting. This has grown in a very short space of time. If they lose their funding, I suspect Oxfam might as well just close down. And uh, we did it with, uh, with Kids Company. And uh, again, we had to close it down and there was talk then, oh, all these people will suffer and everything else. And I've heard people talking on LBC saying people will lose all this money. There are thousands upon thousands of charities. It's seriously. But you cannot have something like this going on in one of our major charities. They spent 300 and what was it, nearly 400 million pounds last year. So there must be a huge amount of money coming in to Oxfam as a charity in donations from people like you, people like big business, people who want to sponsor. Well, Sponsors will be pulling out left, right and centre. And once sponsors start pulling out, you might as well just hold your hands up and give up and rename the charity something else because it's not going the way that they thought. You cannot have headlines like abuse rife in Oxfam shops. People will stop using them. They will stop using them. And also the deputy then quit. And you think, it's got to be serious if the deputy quits. Allegations of underage sex, prostitutes. I mean, dear Lord above. I mean, and this from one of our leading charities. Not good at all. Not good at all. So let's wait and see where it goes. But as I say, if you're seeing the end of, of Oxfam, something else will have to rise like the phoenix from the ashes. Um, the government, according to a, a data poll the other day, should cease funding for Oxfam. I think they give something like £32 million a year. For what reason? I've got no idea. They make enough money as it is without being given it. Plus, they've got shops. But I think that the funding should cease. This is what people of the UK are saying in a recent survey. And they'll be reading lots of these surveys and regularly nice people who want to help out. Because there's always adverts, aren't there, on the television for Oxfam and other charities. Whenever there is a disaster, they've got the money. I never quite understand. I've always been a, a little bit of a dichotomy. So, you know, you, you will see an advert on the television and it'll be for somebody who doesn't have any clean water. And you think, 
what, we're in the year 2018 and these people still don't have clean water and you've got £600 million sitting in the bank. What are you doing? The answer is they're hanging on to it. They then tell you that they need more money so they don't lose their £600 million. So they've got a picture of a girl who is drinking water from a puddle that an animal is urinating in, and they go, you know, she can become it. Why are you not? Why have you not replaced this? We're in the year 2018, and the answer is because it's a business. It's a business. Once you've worked out that it's a business, and that's what it survives, it has directors. It has people who help them fundraise, and, uh, and they're playing on your conscience. So they'll show you a picture of some girl who doesn't get clean water. The Blue Peter Appeal managed to get more people having water than anybody else has managed. And if they can manage to do it, and they were just a children's television programme, why can't these big multi, multi, multi-million pound charities do something about it? You know, as opposed to filming a girl drinking from a puddle, do you think they finish the filming and then go, OK, here is your crate of water. That's your fee for it. Or do you think she carries on drinking from the puddle? You know, little Naomi has to walk three miles every day to get water. Why don't they put a tap in? Can't be that blooming difficult. They keep raising enough money. How much does a tap cost, for God's sake? Ridiculous. Uh, 84850. Ben says, I can't believe you've made me Google who Gemma Collins is. I shouldn't have done it whilst eating my breakfast. I can't believe you didn't actually know who Gemma Collins was. This is Gemma who's not fit for purpose. They've said now we don't know why people bother booking her. She's rude. She's offensive. Uh, It's just all one big sort of joke for her. But uh, she's just she's not worth not worth anything at all. Uh, Gavin says, you said we're single. Why don't you go on Celebs Go Dating? That would be worth a watch because I'm not a celebrity and I don't want to go dating. Thank you very much indeed. And also, why don't you mind your own business? What's it got to do with you? I should imagine you start with the handicap being called Gavin to start with. I mean, who are you going out with? Gavin. What? I mean, nobody's going to believe that name, are they? That's made up. That's a soap name, I think. Uh, Steve Nando's flame grilled steak or peri peri steak with a regular side is on the menu. Oh, right. Interesting. Uh, Even though for reasons best known to himself, Paul Smith will deny uh, Nessie's existence and having cash too. Not possibly, actually. Possibly. Uh, How many ears has Lieutenant Spock got? The left ear, the right ear and the final front ear, says Les. Okay, ban ban Les. Okay, straight away. No more calls from from Les on the programme. Can't have have jokes like that. I told a joke the other day. It wasn't a joke. I said, you know, you go to the doctor, you go, I've got wind. And the doctor gives me a kite. And, uh, and a friend of mine, he said, I laughed. He said, even though I've heard it a million times before, he said, and it's as old as the hills. I said, it certainly is. Uh, what are they doing to uh, make Meghan Markle appeal to everybody in this country? Apart from the fact that uh, they've done a little bit of a walkabout. They've been down to Windsor, shaky, shaky hands. And they're going to get shaky hands, man. He's going to be out there, isn't he, very shortly, shaking hands. And she's not going to be able to let go. And we'll all laugh. And apparently she might get money from the purse to sort of compensate for the fact that she's not really a working actress anymore. She's now sort of um, going to be, I don't know, I think they're actually trying to sell her as Diana. Because after they've done the little wedding, they're then going to go for a tour around the town so that Harry can wave to people. Unfortunately, as you, as you and I know, Harry's going to get pushed behind in this one. It's going to be Charles and Diana all over again. Because off she goes the other day, Megan this is, to Grenfell Tower. Apparently, a secret trip. Obviously not so secret that we're not being told about it. And uh, according to a community member from Grenfell, Megan's visits mean so much to us. She has a special place in our hearts. And I have to be honest, I had to hold my hands up and go, what on earth are you talking about? Megan's visits mean so much. She has a special place in all of our hearts. What for? 
How does that work out? Well, what's she got to do with it? I don't quite understand. And then I realise compassion like this from a royal brings memories of diet. She's not a royal. She's an average actress who's in something called Suits, and that was it. She's no royal. There's no royal links into her life. Nothing like that. Unless I'm linking her to somebody. But they say compassion like this from a royal brings memories of Di. Yeah, Di would have gone down a bit quicker than this one. Megan's left it quite a bit late, actually, because mostly the people are housed and they've got everything. But apparently she's got a special place in all of our hearts. Do you think half the people in, in Grenfell have got the faintest idea who she is? Probably not. Uh, the Maddie cops give us more cash. They're down to four cops now trying to work out why they've got no leads, why they've got nothing at all and why they want more money. Yet the McCanns have £750,000. They told us the other week. I remember reading it, thinking, good Lord, I, th- I thought they didn't have any money at all and they want more money. What do we do? Do we keep giving? And you'll argue this out today with all the presenters on LBC. No doubt Sheila will be talking about it and uh, Nick Ferrari and James O'Brien. Everybody else will be talking about it. Do we give more money or do we go, listen, £12 million on one child? What about all the other children who go missing? They don't get a look in, do they? They don't get a look in. So what do we do? Do we really believe that we're going to find her? Do we really believe? Or do you subscribe to my theory, which is a spaceship came down, took her up, and you're never going to see her ever again? You want to believe that they're going to find her. I just don't think it... You know, they say more cash to keep on looking. Keep on looking where? They've looked everywhere. They've been in every blooming country. They practically... I mean, why don't they just pull down the Prior de Luche, uh, you know complex and see if she's if she, see if she's in the basement somewhere or presumably they've done that i'm assuming the room she was abducted from is now being let out and has been for a number of years so do we keep giving money or do we go i'm sorry we just don't have any more money this is not a never-ending pit it's got to stop i don't suspect you know anything that i say or anything that you say will actually make any difference at all but uh, they want more money to keep on looking i'm i'm thinking i don't think we can but it's not my, my decision, it's somebody else's decision. And they'll think about it and then they go, all right, we'll give a little bit more. But, I mean, you can't just... It's, never, it's just not never-ending. If they came up with something, like last time they said, oh, we've got some leads, turned out to be rubbish. There were no leads at all. Oh, look, talking of leads, very miserable-looking, poor old Colleen. This is Colleen Nolan, the one who didn't sing in the Nolans. And she's very unhappy, very unhappy, because she's taking stuff to the tip, like her ex-husband, Ray. And uh, she says here... She says she's, she went to a dump near her Manchester house. Please don't make me say it. Please don't make me say it. Anyway, she said of the split, it's been really hard and it's really fresh. We've only just filed and he's just moved out. It's a new chapter and that's exciting in itself for him and for me. Basically, she'd been milking it for everything it is. I mean, she told us about this ages ago. But as I say, having watched her drape herself over people on the programme, can't have been much fun for him sitting there at home, can it? So uh, she finishes second marriage. And there'll probably be a third one as well. The latest one you're going to be seeing is Paddy and Christine. It's been on the rocks for some time, as I predicted. Uh, Steve, the police ignore crimes in the UK. Yeah, apparently 37% never get any, uh, any investigation at all. But they can spend millions investigating a crime caused by parental negligence in the Algarve. Nice work if you can get it. Time to end this annual paid holiday. Yes, I mean, you could argue till the cows come home that, you know, and they're well aware of it. They're not stupid. They're not stupid people, but, you know, if they hadn't been middle class, would they have been treated differently? Probably. They went out for dinner. They left the children alone. There were no babysitting facilities which were available to them. Why not take the children? 
But you can't look back at that and say that now because that's, you know, with hindsight, you'd have said they probably didn't think going out for dinner, they're going to lose one of the children. That that wouldn't have crossed their mind at all. But they have to live with that. But if you were that parent, if you were Madeleine McCann's parents, you'd be going, please keep looking for me. Please keep looking for me. I'm around the corner. You can find me. Or not, as the case may be. But having spent £12 million, I'm, you know, I can roughly tell you what everybody is thinking, listening at the moment. There'll be very few people saying, let's keep putting money into it. I just don't know what the answer is. You know, if she was kidnapped all those years ago and taken by another family, she certainly won't be speaking English now. She won't look as we think she's going to be looking. She won't know of her parents. She was taken at a young age. She won't know anything about her parents. That part of her life would have been erased. She could be living in a family with children. It could be anything. I mean, literally, it could be everything. I wish it was simple, but it's not. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I don't know how many people are watching the Winter Olympics. I only catch it in the early hours of the morning because I like Claire Balding. I'll happily sit there and listen to Claire Balding and just think she knows everything. <laughs> She's just too clever for words. And I quite like that, actually. Uh, Steve, and this is the same old line that we're all trotting out, isn't it? Billy says if the McCanns had not left the child alone in their room, she would not have been abducted. Well, we de- that's, that's the trouble. We don't know, do we? We don't know. We, we can hazard a guess, saying, you know, if she'd gone with them. I can only equate it to... My God, children, you know, we would never have gone out and left them. But that's that's what we would have done. Everybody is different. You know, some people say we've always left the kids in the room. We go off to have dinner because you don't want the kids there. But whenever we went off for dinner, the God children, whether they were in their prams or whatever it happened, they came with us. The fact that they might have fallen asleep at the table makes no difference at all. They were with us. But that's, you know, everybody's different. You can't, and we can't keep, and I've been as guilty as the next person. I've always gone, of course, if they hadn't gone away and left her, this wouldn't have happened. But we don't know. You know, sometimes kids just disappear. Sometimes kids do. We've got, at the moment, we've got a friend of the groom in some country who's vanished. I think his brother's getting married and he's, he seems to have disappeared. So it can happen to all sorts of people, all sorts. Uh, Steve, nobody's mentioned Maddie could have fallen or been put in the sea. There were pavement works. I mean, Jackie, it could be anything. Literally, we could all sit there and guess. And as I say, my theory about a spaceship taking her away is about as believable as everybody else's. She could have been... (coughs) She might have, like lots of children do, got up in the night, gone to the toilet, not known where it is, because children are half asleep. I mean, how many times... You know, have you sort of looked after your kids and you have to direct them to the toilet? They don't know where they're going. You go, this is the bathroom. No, not in mummy's bedroom. You know, into the bathroom. Go. To... She might have wandered out, got knocked down by a, a truck on the road, which was very clear. It could have been anything. And that's what's so awful. It's whether or not you, you believe that we should put more money into it. Steve Oxfam became a corporate entity some years ago. The corporate elite pulled the strings at the top, have no affinity to those in the organisation which they're intended to support, says Greg. I mean, charity is a business. Just make no mistake. <clears throat> Whichever way you look at it, they're businesses. They're multi, multi-million pound businesses. As I say, come to Twickenham. We've got every charity shop that you could shake a stick at. Every charity shop. People donate the clothes. The people working in them are very aggressive. Very aggressive. Gone are the days of little old ladies standing there going, um, would, would you like to give a shilling for that? It's all barcoded and priced up. Oh, good Lord above. You know, I told you the last time I took clothes in, and I shall never do it ever again. I'd rather throw them away. The uh, the rudeness of the staff in this particular shop I went into. And I was taking in some seriously expensive clothes. 
You know, some of them were very, very expensive clothes and they were just so dismissive. And I thought, you're going to have the pick of these things, aren't you? I just I just got the feeling. So I stopped donating immediately. Steve, can't wait for Valentine's night at the restaurants. We place bets as to which table will get into the first argument, says Kevin. <laughs> that, that appeals to my sense of humour as well, because people always argue. I mean, if, if Paddy and Christine were going out, there would be major arguments. You know, did you sleep with her? Are you having a relationship with her? How many other people have you been out with? Because the papers are now saying that uh, Paddy and Christine's marriage has been on the rocks for some time. Because we don't know what, what people are like, do we? I have no idea. I see Paddy <coughs> excuse me, on the television and I go, he must be a great deal of fun. But there again, we see David Walliams and you think, he must be mad as a fruitcake at home. Absolutely mad as a fruitcake. And it probably reflects in most of his life anyway. Uh, somebody says, um, Paul... You talk about hugging people. Take a look at the presenter of Tipping Point. He gets the contestants in a bear hug. No, he doesn't. He absolutely doesn't at all. In fact, he's actually... He's fairly removed from them. The, the bloke, Paul, who is the um, uh, the antiques bloke, he used to hug people until I basically said, I don't think you should be doing this to people. You shouldn't be touching people on the programme. This is after doctors have been told not to, uh, not to hug people. I've never seen people being hugged. I seriously haven't. I mean, you know, people might, might tell me differently... You know, Ben Shepherd. Is, there are, I've got a few pictures of him sort of hugging, but that's because he wants to do tongues. That's what it's all about. But mainly, he doesn't. I think because people just don't... It's like, whoa, stop it. We don't want to be hugged anymore. We've had a good look. We've been through his sort of... His other stuff. Do you see that people were booing the other day? Not him. Jeremy Kyle is replacing Piers Morgan. Well, Jeremy Kyle can't present for Toffee. They don't know what to do with him. They've tried him. He can only shout at people with tattoos and no teeth. You know, that's the only bit. Come back. I am not going to follow you. Listen, did you sleep with his best mate? Your mum says you did. Did you thieve from your mother? You took your grandmother's ashes. What did you... And so it goes on. That's it. You know, Jeremy Kyle, king of the tattooed. They're all there, aren't they, for all to see. And now they've got him on the television. He thinks that to make a name for himself, he's got to be a bit sort of more aggressive, but it just doesn't work. You cannot do that on breakfast television. I'm just telling you. Because I'm an expert. And, uh, you know, I think I know what I'm doing. Yesterday afternoon in Paris, says Donnie was lovely. Duck a Laurent at a bistro. Those ducks, you can't stop them wearing oranges, can you? They just want to go out there. I never liked duck a Laurent. I seriously didn't. Duck with orange. Whoever came up with that one? No, duck with soy sauce. That's the best one. Apologies to vegetarians, but actually I'm not really. Uh, back home now, and I won't be having freshly squeezed orange juice with my breakfast. Back to boring old milk. Oh, don't. I love milk. Ice cold milk. And uh, somebody says, uh, fairly new listener, first time texter. Uh, love the show, but I love you more. That's Tom in Guildford. Thank God you're far enough away. Uh, nothing worse than being stalked by somebody from Guildford. I mean, dear Lord. I mean, can't we have something a bit more upmarket? I've been to Guildford, actually, once. And uh, you, you're right about the museum, says Nigel from Wimbledonium. For a paltry... 64 quid. I joined the V&A in the autumn to get unlimited entry to the Pink Floyd exhibition. <laughs> I got the man who owned all the stuff. They have a beautiful new members exclusive restaurant uh, and hospitality hall on the fifth floor in one of the best parts of London. Food is to die for and not expensive. I have my own palace with the finest treasures and I feel like royalty. I've always said to people, because if you join the V&A or the British Museum or any of these places, you can go as many times. My favourite membership, as you know, is Historic Royal Palaces. Because, you know, for less than, I think, £64, you can go to five, six different places. And they've all got places where you can eat. And you get a discount in the restaurant as well. And you can go there every single day. Hampton Court Palace is a private room. You'll always be the only people in there. Nobody's ever in there. 
because you can never see the blasted key operation thing on the door. You've got to push numbers in. It's very difficult. And um, and I was, I was a member of that for eight, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I would go back there, and you could just wander about. It's like being in your own place. But do the museums, and especially at the V&A for their exhibitions, and the British Museum for all their exhibitions. You get, you know, first dibs on tickets. You can go as many times as you want. All those other people have got to pay because they don't know about sneaking in round the back. And it, it's worth doing. Uh, Viv says, sorry to hear of Victor Moan's death, and I admit to getting a lump in my throat when you played his voice. As, of course, showmen always had to be up to date with the music they played on the right, because Viv's a showman's daughter. Consequently, my brothers and I were brought up to appreciate our parents' love of music from when they grew up in the 30s and 40s and the 50s when they got married. Though they did move with the times, because they loved the 60s and Motown and the Beatles going into the 70s and listening to the Carpenters. So every time I hear, you know, Mel Torme, Frank Sinatra... And good old Satchmo and uh, Ella Fitzgerald just brings back good memories. Uh, Marie says it's always good to give to charity shops. No, it's not. It's absolutely not. I'm not saying don't give to charity shops. I'm saying, you know, I'm expecting a little bit more gratefulness because some of them are quite rude. Quite an Oxfam. They've had it. They've had stories of abuse in the shops with the staff, which is not good enough. And uh, it says I, I give expensive clothes. Sometimes too, and think of the people that work there, take them. It's okay, as it's very kind of them to help in the first place. They won't take them if they don't fit. Mine are small. Oh, believe you me, they will. Oh, absolutely they will. Oh, of course they will. They're not, they're not necessarily sometimes taking for themselves, are they? Could be taking for other people. It's all, listen, wherever there's money, wherever there's clothing and things like that, you know, around our way, charity shops have got, you know, the usual tat clothing, which has been donated, or failing that, it's items of interest, like annuals. And some of them make good window displays. They're very clever. And, but they're looking for realistic prices. They're looking for antique roadshow prices. The antique roadshow, I've discovered, is a pile of rubbish now. I saw it the other day, and uh, and they said, right, this is what we're putting into auction, uh, this um, phone or something like that. And they said, well, how much is that worth? And they go, 20 to 30. Ooh, problem, they paid 70. And you think, all these so-called antique markets are just ripping people off. The only one we like is Ian. You know that really, really camp one who used to be on the television? And he's in, he's in London. Him we love to pieces. Him we love to pieces. Because he's just so, and this, oh, it's so exquisite. And he's just so camp. He's beyond camp. But he was just so entertaining, and I think we've seen more of him on the television. I quite like posh porn, except there are two peculiar brothers out in Weybridge or something like that. One's bald and one isn't. They're like, oh, Jack the, uh, Jack the Lad types. And uh, those are slightly odd. Uh, I quite like the other bloke with his shirt slashed open to his navel, who looks like he's wandered out of a 70s porno film. And then there's another one who we don't see very often now. But I just, I just like the whole programme of people, you know, taking something in there. Michael Jackson autographs went for 250 quid each. The other day, £250. So for something that took her a minute, this woman got 500 quid back. And you're right. If you don't look at it very often, I've got things that I don't look at very often. You know, you should sort of take them in there and see see what you can get. Uh, Pollux, says Jackie. I agree with you as well. Pollux Toy Museum is very famous uh, in Scala Street, Fitzrovia. They've also got, have they still got the shop in Covent Garden? I think Pollock's uh, still there. You know who owns it, don't you? It's a bloke ex of, um, ex of Coronation Street. Derek used to go out with, ooh, I don't really know, Mavis. Derek's house, he, he owns Pollock's. He bought it a long, long time ago, which I think is quite, I'm pretty certain they are still in Covent Garden. You should go there. Pollock's toy museums were lovely. They used one, they showed the railway children on the television the other day. Daddy, my daddy. And then halfway through, they have the little Pollock's uh, toy theatre, which were very, very popular. See? 
We go round the world on this programme. You don't need to stick to one country. We can be everywhere. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 23 minutes to 7. Nick Ferrari with you at 7 o'clock. This morning, police investigating the disappearance of Madeleine McCann have requested more cash from the Home Office. With police budgets under scrutiny, should more money be used in the hunt for Maddie? The Police and Crime Commissioner, who wants to prescribe heroin to addicts, will try his best to convince Nick why this is and why this would help cut drug-related deaths and save public cash too. Plus, as Oxfam's number two quits after the Haiti stories, Nick will speak to the Haitian ambassador to the UK to find out what he's made of the scandal. All of that and more with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning from 7 here on LBC. More of your texts and uh, emails. Uh, Derek of Coronation Street died, died a couple of years ago, owned the shop with his brother. Uh, this was, yeah, he died, I think, in, in, this was Peter Baldwin. He died in 2015. I met him on a few occasions going down there, actually. Uh, he took over Benjamin Pollock's toy shop in Covent Garden, where he previously worked between uh, acting, and he was often to be found uh, serving behind the counter. He owned it uh, up until his death. He had a short battle with cancer. He was 82, you know. He's got two adult children, Julia and uh, Matthew, died at his home in, in Hampstead. It was, I went up there on a few occasions uh, and had a chat to him. Uh, it was lovely, actually. Really nice man. I didn't know he was that old. 82, good heavens above. Uh, Marie says, but what else would you do with the clothes, even if it helps the workers? That's good. Some of them short of money. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm not there to do things like that, Marie. That's not, my, uh, that's not my role at all. Come to the Geranium Charity Shop in Hampton Hill. We'll show you a proper charity shop, says Vanessa, the happy manager. We don't agree with the high pricing of the other shops, especially in Richmond and surrounding areas. We're old school. And we're occasionally, exceptionally grateful for donations. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a business. They're businesses. They're businesses. It's only the little local people, the little hospices and things like that, who end up with a, with a, with a shop. Um, you know, and it's, it's those people. Because when you're dealing with a huge charity, it's, it's, it's very difficult. Uh, Raj says, I take my old clothes to India when I go and give them out there. That way, no charity will benefit. Uh, last year on LBC, was it last year or year before? Uh, the taxi drivers, the licensed taxi drivers, black cab drivers, they organised, uh, they were looking for people's old jumpers. So they could go round and give them to people who were sleeping on the streets. And we helped them with that on this programme. And we asked you to donate jumpers and stuff like that. I don't know if they're going to do it again this year because it's certainly blooming cold enough out there. And so we got loads of people to take uh, jumpers down and they donated. And the boys came around and collected them. And then they went out and gave them to people and coats and things like that. So that's what people need, isn't it, if they're on the streets? No point sitting there in a blooming T-shirt. Uh, it'd be a very good idea, Steve, if all the charity shops closed down and they had their own version of eBay. Items sent to the charity and staff will then upload They'll get rid of overheads and rent payments. They get they they get cheaper rent actually. They do get cheaper rent. They get their windows cleaned cheaper as well. I discovered a short while ago. Uh, another one here. Just heard on the six thirty news that the bomb is being floated down the river to Essex to be detonated. Says Bob in Chertsey. That'll cause a tenner's worth of damage if it goes off en route. It's not nice, is it? Don't need that kind of thing. Essex is beautiful. I know people always laugh about Essex. Do not take on board the, the people who appear on the Essex programme, Towie. They do not represent anybody in Essex at all. You don't think Gemma Collins represents anybody? You won't find anybody in Essex looks at all like Gemma Collins, thank the Lord. National Trust and English Heritage is superb. Uh, if you join the New Zealand National Trust for £40, you get access to all National Trust and English Heritage properties, saving around £120 a year. I've been a member for years, and it's perfectly legitimate to join from the UK. 
there you go. I suppose, so for 40 quid, you can join the New Zealand one and then use that. It's a bit of a swizz, isn't it? They don't tell you that. Should we find that out? Producer's going to check. Because if, if I can save you money by joining National Trust, if you join it in New Zealand, you get the card from New Zealand and you use it over here because you're a member of National Trust. They don't tell you that, do they? And that'll be, an, that'll be the first one we've done on the programme. I don't know how much it is normally to join the National Trust, but we'll, we'll see if... Oh, producer's checking. He's looking sort of fairly hopeful on this. You can. Can we join from here? We can actually join the National Trust in New Zealand from here. And they will send us a card here, would they? And that's cheaper than joining the National Trust in this country. Look at the, look at the service I'm giving to you this morning. Honestly, this is far too... Wait a minute. Oh, my screen's gone blank. Oh, it's come back. Here we go. Visiting rights to overseas heritage places. Remember, you're free or reduced admission to hundreds of historical properties, blah, 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 blah. And surcharge supply for parking, blah, blah, and so and so. So check the relevant organisations. Uh, so the only thing it, it excludes, National Trust of England, Wales and Northern Ireland, it excludes Wakehurst Place. But, uh, and that's it. You can join, you know, for Scotland, Jersey, Guernsey, English Heritage, National Trust of Australia, except the Cumbrian Sanctuary in Queensland, half-price admission on presentation of current heritage. Well, that's a good idea, isn't it? So that's a bit naughty. Well, it's not naughty. We're just telling you something you probably didn't know before. So you can buy you can buy National Trust membership in New Zealand and, and just use it in this country. And the membership benefit, I mean, how much is it then? So we, can we save a bit of money? Wait a minute, we're just having a quick look and uh, seeing. I don't want to sort of give you the wrong information here. So $69 this is. Family, two adults at the same address and including a uh, membership cardholder to resident in New Zealand. Um... Also, you can do... They are membership cardholders, resident overseas. That's uh, $95. I don't know what $95 is. We're just about to find out, actually. $95. So whatever it is, you can, you can save a little bit of money. New Zealand dollars, 95 50 quid. <laughs> 50 Shh! Don't tell them, for God's sake. They'll close that avenue of pleasure down. So you can buy it for being a resident in this country. 50 quid gets you membership of the National Trust... 46 for one person. £46 for one person. and that means, So you just have to go onto the website, OK? I'm not telling you any more. You've got to do some work yourself on this one. But you can buy National Trust membership, living here, and buy it for New Zealand, but it's valid here. And you can save money. You can save money. So go to... Right, come closer. I'm not shouting this one. Heritage New Zealand, OK? be a lot of people going, thank you so much, Steve Allen. Thank you so much. There you go. So, listen, we, we live and learn. We live and learn. Thank you very much indeed for that one. Very grateful. Uh, right. I like, the idea of, I like the idea of saving people money. I think that's a good idea. Sorry? That'll... Yeah, but you watch. By the end of the day, they'll have closed that avenue of pleasure down, I think. But uh, sort of get it quickly this morning. Uh, here's a bloke. He was on the... Ter- I didn't quite understand this one at all. It's a bloke who lives in a phone box after he lost his home. He's a homeless man. Well, obviously, if he's living in a phone box, he's not because he's got a phone box. And um, and it's a working phone box. Stephen Pope uses a sleeping bag and duvet to smooth into his bedroom each night. He said it's a tough existence. It can be cold at night, but the phone box offers me shelter. I get food from passers-by and people living nearby. They've shown me such kindness. The former demolition worker added he doesn't claim benefits or beg for food. Of course you are. You're begging for food because you're homeless. You'll take it. He does have a brother. And he's got family, but he, he said, I choose not to sort of take advantage. He lived with his parents in the city, but after they died, he lost his job and home. He has family, but hates to be a burden. His dream is to get a council flat. Oh, for God's sake. So, you know, 
it's very, very interesting, isn't it? When they say he has family, but uh, hates to be a burden. So you're just sort of taking up a phone box. So if somebody had an emergency, what do they do? Climb over you to get to the telephone. How selfish. How selfish. And yet you're more than happy to take money and food from passers-by. And yet you've got family. You can go and live at somebody's house. What is it with these people? What is it? Steve, it's the same for Scottish National Trust. And I feel like you're helping properties closer to home. You could do the Scottish National Trust and do the same. Uh, somebody said, I've been a member of the BM for years. What's the BM? British Museum. And I've never regretted a penny. So much in addition to the permanent collection. Yeah, I mean, I th- listen, do these things. Especially, you know, when it comes to half term and everybody's sort of worrying and saying, what do we do? I see that uh, this morning they're actually suffering. Obviously, one of Sky's newspaper reviewers hasn't turned up. Not going well over there. They've shoved them into a little poor side studio now. It's almost like they're sort of poor relations. But uh, I bet they don't know about the National Trust membership thing. You know, they'd be doing that as a story. Oh dear, one, one chair just looks a bit empty, doesn't it, really? That's sad. OK, in a minute we'll do the front pages of the uh, the papers. The new People's Princess, Meghan Markle. No, she's not. No, she's not, by any stretch of the imagination. She's absolutely not. I love the way they go, oh, she can replace Diana. No, she can't. Oh, oh if she does, that'll be in keeping with Diana, because the royal family hated Diana, didn't they? They didn't like her at all. As sort of, you know, was, was evident by her funeral, where the royal family sort of just... Pff, couldn't really have cared less, actually. Couldn't have cared less. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Um, I've only just realised, actually, how much Oxfam made last year. 2016-17, their income was £408 million. That's how much you've donated. Is this the end of Oxfam? Do we see the collapse? Loads of people saying in all the newspapers this morning that they're cancelling their, uh, their direct debits. They don't want to contribute to, uh, to this charity anymore. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? We'll have to wait and see. The Guardian, sharp rise in admissions for eating disorders. Uh, plus, they've got to wipe out the dangerous conditions at the Winter Olympics. They've said it really is quite, quite dangerous out there. But I was saying any time you're on the snow, it's dangerous. The Mirror, tears of Paddy's devastated wife. Why don't they just phone up Paddy? The, the press must have his uh, phone number. And go, listen, are you having an affair with that Appleton girl? You know, why didn't you tell your wife about it? Have you cheated before? Just, just ask straightforward questions. He's either going to go no comment or he's going to brazen it out. I mean, I think we should know, shouldn't we? Uh, Megan's secret visits to comfort the Grenfell victims. What do you mean to comfort them? You don't need comforting by Meghan Markle. Thank you very much indeed. The new people's princess, say the mirror. No, she's not. No, she's not. She's just Harry's girlfriend, fiancé, and they're going to get married. She's not the new people's princess. Let's not try that one, thank you. Uh, According to the Express today, uh, the tragic Britons who died in the Grand Canyon helicopter horror, what amazes me is that four or five of them walked away from it. They walked away from it. That's an act of God. The arthritis drug will fight off dementia, and uh, by up to half, so says uh, research. We have a, a charity shop in our village, says Phil. It raises lots of money for our village. It's called the Regan Shop and helps provide money for the regeneration of the village. As a result, we've got beautiful flower borders, window boxes on the shops and hanging baskets. It also lights up the village at Christmas with lights and displays and a huge Christmas tree. You see, that's worth it as far as I'm concerned. That's worth it. Sounds lovely. Heard you mention the lovely county of Essex. Have to admit I was born in Romford, says Jonathan. Be gentle with me. Make a mental note, ban Jonathan in future. I will not have people writing in who've uh, been born in Romford. Uh, The Ministry of Defence, says Francis, uh, have a veterans' welfare department. Uh, They told me the taxi charity for military veterans is one of its favourites. 
It relies entirely on donations and the volunteering of black cab drivers, and the money is targeted to give entertainment for the veterans. It defies... It defines benevolence. That's nice, isn't it? So I'm a big fan of charity. That's why I like our charity, Make Some Noise, because you do so much via that, which helps so many people. You know, you've, you've made such a difference, such a difference. Um, and somebody else saying that uh, we love charity, but we're not sure about Oxfam. Well, I'm not sure about Oxfam either. I can't give you any guidance. I can only tell you that uh, I didn't subscribe to Oxfam in the first place. Having heard about this, I'm not, I'm not keen. I'm sorry, I'm just not keen. Uh, Paddy's wife, agony over Nicole. Why don't you just ask him? What is it with this people fashing you know, around all over the place? Just ask him. Why don't the newspapers phone him up? Are you having an affair with her? Why were you walking through Soho with her? Why did you not tell the wife? You know, is the marriage on the rocks? Is it going to finish? Are you going for a divorce? Etc, etc. Although I predict by the weekend there will be a bigger story. Not to do with that. But I think there will be a big story at the weekend. I don't know why. I've just got a feeling in my... You know, sometimes you get a feeling in your water. Feeling in your bones. And you think there's a big story around the corner. A big, big story. I wonder. Wait and see, shall we? Front page of the Daily Star. Flipping Eck. Pancake races banned. Snowflakes ruining another tradition. Oh, mamby pambies we call them. And that's people who go, oh, it's raining. You might fall over. Yeah. Well, it happens, doesn't it? People do fall over. Uh, nothing you can do about it. Cold as Iceland, they've said. And they've got pictures of, you know, cars that have fallen in rivers and people scraping the snow off the um, off the thing. We haven't had it in London. Had a few little... F- I quite like it. It's quite pretty. I don't want to go out in it, but I quite like the idea. Uh, abuse rife in Oxfam shops. My God, they're going way over the top today at the Daily Mail. And uh, 123 claims of sexual harassment. In the high street, a picture of the victims of the helicopter fireball We're on a birthday adventure. Um, it's because it's pancake day today. Uh, it's not just lemon and sugar. As far as I'm concerned, it's lemon and sugar. I grew up with lemon and sugar. I don't want anything else apart from lemon and sugar. Uh, plus, uh, the oh, I can't do that story. Uh, beauty pills. No, a healthy diet is probably better for your skin. That's what it is. Uh, the minister says unmask the aid workers so we can put them on trial. These are people who've, who've sort of left Oxfam and they've gone, oh, just just go, just go. We'll keep, it, we'll keep it sort of hushed up and all the rest of it. And everybody else is going, no, tell us who these people are. Don't hug patients. Doctors are warned. We don't get much of that anymore. People don't do the, uh, the hugging kind of it. Is good sex in marriage a risk? What sort of risk? I've got no idea. Uh, a billion pound toll of crack cocaine bet machines that's what they call them now uh and also the genius who put road signs on the map you've never heard of this person at all i promise you but she is a genius her name is margaret calvert and she designs signs that's what she does loads of iconic signs but you don't know anything about them loads of pictures of bottles of prosecco loads of pictures of roses like you don't know what roses look like and uh is lord lucan in kim jong-un's private pantry could be. Who knows? Uh, the inmates give an acupuncture to help them sleep better. Why don't just a little tablet? Would that not be be easier? Acupuncture. I'm not sure about acupuncture at all nowadays. I'm sure people love it. It's just, uh, just not for me. And, um, and the open and shut case of the illegal house hidden by a garage door. And the pair of crooks here. One is a doctor, Rita Herzala, and Hamdi Al-Masri. They flouted plumbing regulations. And they've had to pay for it. Ha, 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 ha. They designed a garage as the, the pokiest little house you've ever seen in your life. What for? I've got no idea. Oxfam chief, according to the Times, knew of the sex claims. Britain and the US row over the fate of the captured ISIS terrorists. We don't want them. 
We don't want them. You do anything you like with them, but we don't want them. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, the Daily Telegraph, Oxfam workers offered aid for sex. It's not going away, is it? Not going away. That's it for this morning. I am going away, but I'm coming back to you tomorrow morning. Just before you all burst into tears, make sure you download the LBC app, as well as listening to LBC wherever you are. You can listen back to this and all of our other programmes from the last week for free on our catch-up feature. And you can do that to get my free podcast as well. On my little bit extra today, I'll be offering Christine McGuinness some more solutions on what she needs to do whilst Paddy's running around with Nicole Appleton. There's such simple solutions too. Christine, Talia Storm is very angry at her ex-boyfriend from God knows how long ago, Brooklyn Beckham again. No, Talia. No, you know Talia Storm, the one who sings. You know, oh, maybe not. Anyway, anyway, I'm going to tell you a story about my friend Toby and his famous dad, Chris, but we don't want to give away too much of that. My little bit extra is available very shortly and it's totally free. Download the LBC app for iPhone or Android and tap on Catch Up. Simple as that. At 10 o'clock this morning, it's James O'Brien. I've been Steve Allen. Next, with breakfast... It's Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.